What is up, guys? You're listening to the MF CEO Project. I'm Andy. I'm your host. And I am the motherfucking CEO. As always, I'm joined by my co-host, the super annoying pastor of disaster. <laughs> What's up, my man? Almost. The reason, do you know why you're annoying? Oh, I, I can. Because 30 I, seconds ago, he was talking shit on Texas football <laughs> from eight feet away on the table. And it's real easy to talk shit when you're eight feet away from someone. It's true. So... Uh, just remember, I'm a violent human your, being. Your, your wingspan's not not that long, right? No, but I can run really fucking fast. Yeah, especially for a big guy. Yeah. I wonder if you could outrun me. I bet you. could. I promise you, I could, bro. No, I don't know. Oh my god! I used to be track cross country, dude. You know, that kind of cross stuff. country. That's not fast. I'm I talking know. about. I'm lying here. anyway. Yeah, I was, I was gonna a say. trainer, dude. <clears throat> I'm 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 quick for a big dude. I'm quick for a regular dude. In fact. We should just do a video of me whooping your ass in a sprint. <laughs> I think that'd be a good video. All right. So today is Tuesday. What? What? Why? You're a bitch. He moves around a lot. Yeah. Anyway, as you guys know, Tyler is a bitch. We have an awesome show for you today. Uh, today we were going to talk about Things that revolve around leadership, but we brought in a really special guest, and you guys know that I don't have guests on very often. Um, I really only like to have guests on that have good shit to say and that I know have the real experience to back it up, and today is one of those days. Um, We have a guy who, who has done a lot, not just in the leadership front, but a lot for this country. Um, He is a Navy SEAL. Uh, former Navy SEAL. I don't know how you say it. Is it former or current, whatever? Once a SEAL, always a SEAL type of thing? Sure. All right. We'll go with former. That's all right. J.P. Donnell, all right? Um, he is involved in a lot of things. Uh, he has his own companies, consulting companies, leadership companies. He's involved in the muster with Jocko Willick. Uh, tell, tell, tell everybody about who you are and what you do, man. All right. So, First off, thanks for having me on yeah. the show and the podcast. It's uh, truly an honor to be here. Uh, I've been listening to you guys. Um, it feels like for a long time because I started at number one <laughs> and I've just been like wow. in a panic mode trying to get caught, caught up. up. You yeah. know? Um, I will say that listening to your podcast at one and a half speed, if you thought the podcast was intense as it is, <laughs> put it at one and a half speed while you're trying to get caught up and it's yeah, I listened to you and Jocko's podcast at yeah. one and a half. I'm yeah. like awesome. ready to go through a wall. Yeah, but that's cool. Anyways, it's an honor to be here for sure. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm originally from Sacramento, California. Uh, born and raised. Grew up in the same house that my dad grew up in. Uh, went to the same high school that my dad went to. Had some of the same teachers that my dad did. Um, so that was pretty cool. You know, I grew up wanting to be a Navy SEAL. I used to play Navy SEALs. Like, that's what my brother and I did, you know. Hmm. We would run around the neighborhoods, and on the weekends, we'd go to all the garage sales and try to find all the gear and the canteen belts and yeah, the wet yeah. belts and yeah. the camouflage clothes from all the Vietnam vets. And, yeah. you know, other kids were, like, like trading baseball cards and reading stats and everything. Like, yeah. I w- my, my brother and I and my sister – you know, we'd make my sister play along with us. Yeah, uh, sorry. We did that same shit too, sorry, dude. Sarah. We, we used to go to, we used to go to, there was a army surplus store in St. Louis here called Uncle Sam's. 
And we used to go there and get shit to like do the same. We did the exact same yeah, thing. I think my parents would like avoid army surplus, Navy surpluses stores yeah. like in their routes. Because if we saw one, <laughs> we freak would out. freak out if we didn't get to go there. Because that's all we want to do. We yeah. want to be Navy SEALs. Yeah. I just want to be a commando ever since I was a young kid. So Corey and I, that's my brother, he's one of my best friends. Um, we played Navy SEALs all the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, kids, like I was saying, were, were reading the baseball cards and all the other stuff. We were reading uh, survival handbooks and manuals that we got from old Vietnam vets and stuff like that. You That's know, awesome. learning how to build a ghillie suit. You know, yeah. I was in elementary school and I knew how to build a ghillie suit and how to. I stop. bet every Halloween you were you were a soldier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. How old are you? How old are you? I'm 34. You're 34. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So 34. So that's originally I grew up doing that, right? Yeah. And yeah. then, um, you know, as as most of us do, getting older uh, in high school, I kind of lost sight of that. Yeah. Lost sight of that picture. And my dad, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to graduate high school, and he he's a little frustrated with me. I got in a fight at a party, and I broke this knuckle, these bones in my hand, my yeah. wrist. And he's kind of like, "What are you going to do after you graduate?" Right? And I I knew for myself, college wasn't the deal for me then. Right. You know, nothing obviously wrong with people that go to school, but for me, it's not I, for everybody. It just wasn't for right. me. And I grew up, my, my, my family, we didn't have a lot of money. You know, we had a great life. We, we enjoyed life, but we just didn't have a lot. We didn't have any money. You right. Know, really. Right. Um, my parents worked very, very, very hard. And, uh, I just, it, it just it wasn't something for me. And so, you know, I sat around and I was kind of thinking about it and I gave my dad the answer that I'm sure every dad's super thrilled to hear. And I said, you know what? I think I want to be a whitewater rafting guide and live on the river. Like, <laughs> well, cause that's what my best friend Aaron was doing. Yeah. Right? And I was yeah. like, dude, that sounds awesome. You're, it does sound awesome. You're camping. Yeah. I'm sure you'd always tell you about the girls too, that were on the yeah, rafts. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only bill you have is your cell phone bill. Like yeah. that sounds awesome. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, um, and my dad's like, mm, yeah, probably not. Um, what about joining the military? And I really hadn't thought of it for years, honestly. He's like, what about the Navy? Like becoming a Navy SEAL? And I was like, hmm. You know, because my dad and my uncle Mike, uh, who's, you know, one of my. So he kind of rekindled that. Yeah, he rekindled it. So there was one time where my dad and my uncle Mike uh, were training together because they were actually going to try to join the military. They're going to get age waivers and they're going to go through BUDS and SEALs. Yeah. And I mean, I remember them training to go to like get ready for BUDS. And it was just one of the most awesome things as a kid to see your dad and your uncle who were who still are two of my heroes. Yeah. Like training to go be a you know, Navy SEAL. And I was just enamored by that. Right. And uh, you know, there was no war going on, so there wasn't really a need. So they, they couldn't get the age waivers. Right. Um, so I just remember that and I was like, Hmm. Okay. So I go to work and I'm looking across the street while I'm sitting at the register. Cause I have a cast. So I can't make pizzas at the pizza joint that I'm working at. And there's a Navy recruiting office across the street. And I'm like, you know what? I'll go get some information, bring it back to my dad just to get him off my back. Yeah. Yeah, I've got other things to think about, right? Like right. the high school graduation party out of the lake. That's really important. <laughs> right, right. Know? And, um, you know, so I'll walk in, and this is before 9-11. And um, this is, you know, May time frame of 2011. And they're all trying to act hard and, like, bark at me. You know, how like – Typical recruiters, like, what are you doing in here? You know, and at the time, like, dude, I'm 135 pounds with bleach blonde hair and puka shell necklaces, right? Like, they're like, what is this kid doing? And I'm like, yeah, think about They're like, what do you want, kid? I'm like, well, think about joining the Navy and uh, becoming a Navy SEAL. Well, they all started laughing at me. Oh, And man. I was like, okay. Yeah. That. You know, like, instant, yeah. like, 
Yeah. Okay. Instant fuel. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm like, thank you. Yes. And uh, they said, well, I remember um, the, he was a senior chief and he said, well, two things, kid. One, we can't do anything with that cast on your hand. The Navy's not going to touch you. You can't, you know, we're not going to do anything. Two, the Navy SEAL wannabe recruiter won't be here until Thursday. So if you want to come back in two days, then we'll talk to you then. Oh, man. And I was like, okay. Like the whole wannabe thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, mm. Yeah. So I was like, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Roger that. I leave and I go back to work and I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm just like looking at the recruiting office. And, you know, growing up, my parents instilled into us the, the mindset that you don't allow another human being to dictate what you can and can't do. You know, you guys all know that, dude, you know what I mean? Dude, and I'm I just, just shaking my head in agreement because like, it's so rare. You realize I deal with like literally hundreds of young people and it's, I was instilled the same things from my dad, Yeah, but it's so rare to hear that from another human. Like I'm sitting here like, fuck yeah. Yeah, you know what I, I mean? I know. I've listened to your like, podcast. Like, kudos to your dad. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. And I'm like, when I, I've, I've listened to your dad on the podcast, and I'm like, dude, his dad and my dad just need to hang out. Like, yeah. world domination. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? Like, you know, my my grandparents, uh, both my, you know, my mom and my dad's dad, they were both, they both served in World War II. My dad's dad was on a destroyer in the Navy. Um, my mom's dad was a pilot. In, my dad's you know, dad was in World War II as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my mom's dad was actually, you know, he's a pilot and he actually flew as a part of the squadron that bombed J Japan. Yeah. You know, and he fought in the Korean War and fought in Vietnam as well. So I grew up listening to them tell stories, you know, not too much, but just kind of guidance on the military. But that mindset, you know, my parents just instilled into us. You're, you don't allow another human being to dictate what you can and can't do. Right. Like you, if another person that's breathing oxygen is doing it, then I can absolutely do it as well. That's you right. Know? And so that was just a mindset, you know, that I had. And I know there's, you know, the people out there are going to be like, well, I mean, I, I could never be a power lifter. Okay. Yeah, I get it. Maybe my DNA. Yeah, I couldn't either. However, right. this is feasible. There's a good hip hop round. song about this exact topic. Just so I can flex my hip hop muscles on people <laughs> by notorious BIG called niggas bleed. Yeah. All right. And if you haven't listened to it, go fucking listen to it. It's exactly what we're talking about right okay. now. Okay. I'll, I'll yeah. listen to it. Yeah. Vaughn thinks Notorious B.I.G. is uh, MC Hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but now I know. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, so that you know, I just I remember that mindset, and I remember my my parents you know, instilling that into us. And I, I thought about all the stuff that I that I thought I knew about the SEAL teams and the research that we'd done, and the videos that me and my brother had watched, and documentaries we'd listened to. And I just made up my mind. I was like, I'm going to do this. Fuck yeah, 100. percent And so I went home. And my dad was like, hey, how was work? Am I good? I'm like, hey, I'm joining the Navy. And I'm going to be a fucking SEAL. I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. That's right. They won't do anything with this cast on my hand. You know, they, they, they said that the Navy won't do anything. He, he goes, cool, go in the bathroom and start a warm bath and start soaking your arm and I'll be in there. I'm like, okay. So I go do that. He comes in about five minutes later with some tools from the garage and he cut my cast off. That's awesome. And, uh, you know. Awesome. Um, so they're like ready to go right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now. I don't recommend doing that if you've had your cast on for 11 days. Yeah. That was not a great <laughs> yeah. idea, you know? Uh, but, you know, my dad did that for a reason, uh, just to say, okay, cool. We're doing it. Obstacle, done. Yeah. Crushed. Boom. Next. What's next, right? And so I went back to the recruiting office two days later, and they, they, I walk in, and they look at me. They look at my hand without the cast, and they're like, Petty Officer Garrett's going to take care of you. 
And that just started the process. Yeah. Like, I couldn't even grip a pin. No, like, I but they got it. They got the point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And um, like, I, I was honest. I told the recruiter what was going on because he's like, I, I, I was like, hey, as long as we can wait to do the physical assessments, like the best. Like, I can't, I can't even shake your hand right now. Yeah. And so that summer, I worked construction for my dad. And what was awesome about it is my dad pushed, my dad was prepping me for buds. I didn't know it at the time. He knew what he was doing. Right? Yeah. He was pushing me to my absolute physical and mental limits every single day. Yeah. And so, you will do that in construction. Like, uh, like people don't realize that. What, what, what kind of construction did you do? General construction. Yeah. Yeah. And so we were doing a remodel on yeah. our house, especially if you work for my dad, you'll puke. <laughs> Like and yeah. it's, it's it's the summertime in Sacramento. It's yeah. hot. Yeah. You if you work at the pace my dad works, I guarantee you, you will throw up. Bro, right? that's funny. When I was in high school, that's that's what I did. As I I worked on concrete crew, so I carried forms all day in the summertime. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The story gets better. Yeah. You'll laugh. Yeah. I know you were concrete. So, yeah. um, so in order for me to work, like I couldn't grip a hammer, I couldn't do anything. Right. Yeah. So we took my kickboxing hand wraps. Uh, my dad had me in kickboxing since sixth grade. And so we wrapped my hand nice and tight. I grabbed the hammer. He takes athletic tape and wraps it around the <laughs> hammer and into my grip. And that's how I held on to it. And that's how I'd work for my dad. Right. And that is that's awesome. just to strengthen my grip. Yeah. And yeah, was it painful? Absolutely. It sucked. Yeah. You know? But it, he was just pushing me to my limits. And literally every day, absolute physical and, and mental limits. He was pushing me to it. And yeah. it was, it was awesome. It, it, it completely prepared me because my dad also knew that because he wanted to be a seal, like he wanted to go. Right. That right. Route, right. So he had done his research also that most young guys don't make it through training. Right. They just don't. And that's for, that's for design. You're right. Yeah. We don't want young, immature kids with top secret clearances in charge of millions of dollars worth of gear traveling all over the world. Right. Doing stuff that's life-threatening as well. Like our training is extremely dangerous, right. right? There has to be a level, not only of physical toughness, but mental toughness and maturity as well. Absolutely. hundred percent right. because your actions can get somebody killed. Exactly. And so my dad knew that. And so anyway, so that's how I worked. I did construction with my dad that whole summer. And then I went into boot camp on September 5th, 2001. And then six days later, nine 11 happened while I was in boot camp. And, oh, shit. um, yeah. So, you know, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty for sure. Right. right man, I knew I was going to war. Yeah. Like I had no doubt that yeah. I was going to make it through buds. And then now like you attack, you're my actually going to be, you're actually going to be nah, in good. battle. Like right. now I, now I'm guaranteed to kill bad guys. Right. Like before right. I was like, Oh, maybe, you yeah. know, right now it's like, yes, I'm going to kill evil people, you know? Cause I grew up at, with a very strong Christian family faith. And right. I know that there is evil. Evil Fuck exists a hundred percent. Yeah. And when you, and no matter how much the world tries to tell us it doesn't and how much they try to put in, you know, the, like we talked about yesterday, the idealism mentality, the, the reality is the only reason people get to dream that there's idealism out there is because motherfuckers like you kill all the motherfuckers that would kill them. Yeah. And that's the truth. That's <laughs> true. So, yeah. dude, they're absolutely, I mean, bro, you're not going to find anybody that resonates with that more than me. I get it. Oh, I know. Yeah. And, um, and I think most of our audience does too. You yeah. Oh, yeah. You don't got to sure. apologize for that mentality. Well, I, I, but that's the thing. And, and yeah. like you, I'll never apologize right. for that mentality. Right. Because I know it. And I've, yeah. and we can talk about this more at another time or, you know, later on this episode. But yeah. The evil. I mean, just, there's no denying it. Yeah. I don't ever, I will never apologize. Well, not many people have mindset, fucking seen it, dude. Cause I've seen it. That's right. Exactly. And, uh, and so, but that, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. So, dude, how did, so, so, so from Sacramento, California. And where do you was, live? Where are you at now? 
Uh, we're in North Mississippi, a okay. little town called South Haven. Okay. Uh, that's where I met my wife when I was in the teams. I was at a training command and I was going out to that uh, city every other month, two weeks at a time. And uh, you know, I met, I met my wife, Amanda out there and we we're doing the long distance dating thing yeah. back and forth. And she had a son and um, you know, awesome i call him my bonus boy you know yeah yeah I mean? yeah like he's yeah. not my stepson he's my bonus boy yeah, yeah i got he's, it that's great he, he is he's my that's good I mean? man and um you know so amanda and 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 uh our, our boy was supposed to move out to san diego and i was super fired up about that i'm like yeah you know like i might get out might stand who knows but they're coming you know we we're getting married um you know and then she's pregnant pregnant with twins and when she found out she was pregnant with twins she's like nope I ain't leaving mama. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I, you know, I was pissed at the time, but it makes sense. You know, right, she, right, right. She's a small town Mississippi girl. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden taking her and our I boy yeah. to San Diego. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Right. No. Culture Negative. shock. Right. Not, not going to happen. Yeah. You know? And it just, it wouldn't have been fair. That would have been That's super right. selfish on my, on yeah. my part. And things were kind of changing overseas. Things were political under our last presidential, um, you know, administration right i got it yeah and um <laughs> so you know at the time I, I was just like you know what i i need to be there for my family yeah and that was the next best thing for me to do and that was a hard transition and we'll talk about that more yeah later so for let, sure, so but. before because i dude i've like it's weird because <clears throat> i always tell people and a lot of people say this shit like but i it's the truth when it comes to me like if i hadn't become an entrepreneur i would have join the military. It's something I resonate with. And I like, I, so, but you, we talked about this before the show. And the funny thing is, is that you're like, well, you kind of felt the the opposite. You're like, dude, if I wasn't a Navy SEAL, I want to be a business guy. Yeah. And like, it's funny because we lived the, 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 the parallel things, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? But, but, uh, the principles of success are so similar and we'll get into that in a minute. And I have tons of questions. Cause I want to ask you like the little kid in me wants to know about bud school and all this yeah, shit, yeah. you know? Cause like I always wondered, but, uh, um, you're involved with the muster with Jocko. Okay. Yes. And a lot of the guys that listen to my podcast, we have a lot of, uh, crossover because uh, our pod, our messages are very similar, just in different ways. Yeah. Um, tell people what you do with the muster and, and, uh, and explain what the initiative is there. Okay. So, um, Jocko Willink and Leif Babin were two officers that I served under in the SEAL teams. Right. right. So they got out. Uh, we all got out. I was doing sales at a financial company and then they started their company echelon front, uh, leadership and management consulting, uh, company. And they were giving combat leadership briefs, workshops, seminars, long-term programs with companies all throughout the United States and the world. Then they wrote their book called extreme ownership. How you um, amazing Navy book. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really, yeah. Yeah. So when their book came out, I remember I got it and I had read it like three times before I even became a part of their team. You know, it's underlined and highlighted dog eared, all that. Yeah, stuff, yeah, right? yeah. And, um, you know, they were getting bigger and bigger and busier and busier and they're actually turning down gigs. Right. Cause right. they just couldn't do them. Right. And they knew I was doing stuff with my company. I left the financial company, started my own company, never settle consulting. And I was just doing like team building events and working with management and leadership and teaching shooting, you know, just doing whatever I could to pay the bills. Right, right. Try to figure out my thing, right? Yeah, right. And, you know, Jocko and I are very close. We always have stayed in touch over the years. And he's like, hey, man, just want to let you know, um, I think we're getting to the point where we're going to need to bring on other guys. Um, so I don't know if you're interested or not, but we have this event in San Diego. If you want to come out, it's called the muster. 
It's a two day leadership thing that we have going on. You know, if you can make your way out there, let me know. Right. And it's funny because at the time, as you've experienced before in business, there was a nice little lull and we had nothing going on. Right. Which means we had no money in our account. <laughs> right. And we were racking up a lot of debt very quickly. Right. And I had a potential gig overseas at a thousand dollars a day for 70 days for us. That was fuck. Yeah. Life changing. Right? Yeah. And I was like, cool. And then Jocko literally calls that same day. And I'm like, yeah, where it was like, he's like, you know, I can't guarantee anything. If you can make your way out here. Cool. If you like what we're doing, we'll talk about the future. You know, it might be one gig or it could be 52 gigs next year. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I'm like, all right, well, this is definitely going to be a big, big leap of faith. You know, I, I, you know, I trust in God and I know his guidance is, is, has always been correct. And so I, I call Amanda and I'm like, Hey, here's the deal. And she knew about that thousand dollar day gig. Like we yeah. needed that. Yeah. Like, right. Bad. We yeah. just needed a thousand dollars. Yeah. Right. 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 Times yeah. 70. Right? Yeah. Right. And, um, and I was like, but Jocko and Leif and she goes, you know, the answer. Yeah. She goes, Jocko and Leif will never ever steer you in the wrong direction those are the only two people out there probably not only that with the mentality that they have they're never going to fucking fail exactly and that was the other thing you know and and she's like you need to go to san diego yeah so that's awesome and we're broke yeah like trying to figure out okay how do i make my way to san diego yeah dude but that's the kind of people and i'm just going to go off a little bit on this right now because i've experienced this recently with some people that i'm close with dude you have to you when you're making decisions about your life and you're at that pivot point, you've got to be able to paint the picture for yourself and see, and dude, you know, it would have been real easy for you to say yes to that 70, 70 grand and be on a totally different path than you are now. You know what I mean? And, and, but I would, I bet you would tell everybody listening that you're on a much better path now because you didn't take the easy thing. You know what I mean? A hundred percent. Right. And I actually get like kind of, sick to my stomach sometimes when I think about, man, if I would have done that, dude, because even dude, I told, Jocko, I got a story like, like that too, man. Hey, I, I potentially have this gig and Jocko said, Hey man, he's like, I'm never going to do anything to take money out of your pocket. You've got to provide for your family. But the key word he said is like, you know, hopefully we can link up back again in the future and make something happen. And I was like, man, I'm not letting this slip away. Right. right? And so I was headed out to Texas to teach shooting for my buddy with his, his company. And it was right around that time. And it was actually, I was going to be teaching during those two days of the muster. And I called him. It's my buddy, Steve with gray Fox industries. Awesome. Awesome dude. Right. He's always been one of those true buddies of mine as well. I'm like, Hey Steve, I have this opportunity to go work with Jocko and Leif in San Diego for some potential stuff in the future. But those are the days I'm going to be supposed to be teaching your classes. And he goes, I can get a replacement. You need to be there. Yeah. And I'm like, are you sure? He goes, yeah. He's like, dude, I, I would never want you not to go do that. I'm like, cool. So I go out to Texas and I teach for a couple of days. Right. And then I go from there to, to San Diego. Right. And it, from Dallas to San Diego, the flights were much cheaper and I had enough points to cover my trip out there <laughs> and back with Southwest. Yeah. And, uh, so make way out there. And it was funny, like we laugh about it now because when I first showed up to volunteer and help out, like I'm meeting Jamie, who's our director of operations and all the other volunteers. And I see Jocko and Leif, you know, and uh, I'm helping get stuff set up. I'm like, oh, what's all this stuff for? And they're like, oh, these are the welcome bags for 
you know, the attendees. And I'm like, cool. They have like warrior bars and like from on it and all these right, all, like, right. like really good products and stuff. I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I'm like, are we able to have some? Like, yeah, you can take some, take whatever you want. That's extra. I'm like, cool. I'm like, cool. There's breakfast, lunch, and dinner for <laughs> yeah. all three. You know, yeah. I'm literally yeah. taking like yeah. granola yeah. and like nuts and stuff yeah. for like to eat while I'm there. Yeah. Um, cause just, I didn't have the money. Yeah. We didn't have the money at yeah. the time. Right. And, um, the muster, you know, it's, it's a two day leadership event. That's yeah. just super intensive. It's just, we, it's real. We, we talk about the lessons that we learned in Ramadi, the battle of Ramadi of 2006. We talk about what we did as task unit bruiser from seal team three. Um, the, the soldiers and Marines that we worked with the, I mean, it's just, it's an in-depth, no bullshit leadership seminar. It's not like Jocko and those guys say, Hey, if you're looking to come build vision boards, this isn't the place. Right. It's like, practical. We're right. giving, yeah, there are no theories. Right. It's all practical. And that, place, that shit has its place. I mean, I get it, but like, oh, yeah, cause I talk about it too, but there's, there's a difference between framing and then executing. Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and they know that there's a place for that, right. obviously. And there's nothing, nothing bad if you have a vision board. No, no, no. I've had them over the years. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But that's not what we bring to the table. No, I get it. Yeah, it's practical. The, the SEAL teams know how yeah. to execute, take right. action, how to dominate. Yeah. That's what we're going to bring to the table. You know, the lessons that we learned in combat, how you can apply those lessons to your personal and professional lives to win. So, dude, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this because I'm dying to get into this a little bit. Bud school. All right. Okay. You show up. How old are you? You're young. You're 18. Um, 18, 19. Years okay. Old. Yeah. Dude. Like, all right. So you watch all these fucking movies, you know, GI Jane and like all these, the, you know, the movies about, yeah. the, you know, they all have their versions of bud schools. What's it really like, dude? Like, is it, is it as hard as people say it is or like what, like, like what's it like? Okay. Like, were you fucking scared the first day you show up? You're like nervous. I mean, well, yeah, I'm yeah, I would be nervous. You yeah. Know, I think everybody's nervous, yeah. uh, but I was confident in my abilities. Like, and I knew, and I was, I was so proud to be there. Yeah. You know, that's the yeah. other thing is because a lot of guys can't even get to buds. Right. Like, right. Get selected, do, you know, pass the screen test. So just the fact that I was there, I was Is proud. it all physical testing to get in? Physical and, and a little bit of mental. Okay. Right. All right. Um, and so the thing with buds. And we can talk about buds and everything else like that, but I, honestly, I'm not going to waste the time on the podcast because here's the thing: everything you hear about buds is true. You're cold, you're wet, you're tired, you're miserable. Yes, it is the hardest military training in the world. So what? Yeah, it goes on. The evolutions yeah. will end. Yeah. You know? And getting through buds was all about your mindset. You know, you just have to change your mindset. I remember sitting on the beach, looking down at the Coronado condos. Dude, I fucking stayed there and okay. watched these motherfuckers train. Yeah. And I'm just like, like, I'm like, I felt like such a pussy staying at the fucking Coronado. Because, dude, the Coronado is like the nicest yeah, hotel, the hotel in San Diego. Coronado, yeah. And it's right there next to Bud School. Yeah. And like, I was out there just like two years ago. And I remember I was getting tattooed because my guy, he cut, like, we do private sessions. Yeah. And I'm getting tattooed for like three or four days. And like, I'm like, fuck, I'm getting tired of this. And I look out on the fucking beach and I see these motherfuckers in the water and it's cold. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, I'm a pussy. Like, I felt like <laughs> such a pussy, like watching those guys train and then, you know, feeling bad about my tattoo hurting. You know what I mean? Well, it's it just, but here's the thing. It's just a mindset. And that's, yeah. you know, that's what I talk, tell people is like, yeah, yeah, buds sucks. Absolutely. But here's, here's the thing. Buds is an absolute joke compared to actual combat. Yeah. So when 
people only talk about buds, if that's all they have to talk about. Yeah. They don't even know. Uh, I got it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I'm just saying, yeah, like, there's some it. good guys out there. Yeah. But if their story is only about buds. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, buds is nothing compared to combat. Yeah. I, I'm telling you right now. Yeah, buds yeah. is abs- It's a joke compared to combat. Yeah. You know? Um, and... Buds is a, it's a selection program. That's all it is. So you dude, know, it's just mentally weeding you out. So you know those condos right next to the hotel Dell that yeah, you yeah, stayed at. Yeah. Back then, I was told that they start for five million dollars a piece. Yeah. Right. So my mindset going through Buds was, hey, guess what? I have the same view that they do because our barracks are right there on the beach. Yeah. I have the same ocean, the same beach, the same view. Yeah. And I'm getting paid to stay there. Yeah. And so going through Buds. I just changed my mindset. Yeah. Instead of saying we have to go for a four mile timed run, we get to go for a four that's mile right. timed run. That's I'm right. I'm getting paid to work out. That's what that that's was right. my mindset. And that's the fucking difference between people who make it through and people who don't, I would imagine. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, hundred percent. Yeah. Because I've had absolute physical studs that show up to buds that were in the junior Olympics that yeah. are the first ones to quit. It's amazing Division what perspective one, does. Yep. Division one yeah. collegiate athletes quitting the first week yeah. right and you know all it is is just a mindset so right. i changed my mindset whereas i get to do this instead right. of saying i have to do this yeah i mean if you just change that mindset for anything in life i it agree makes the difference yeah right? here's the other thing when we're sitting in the water all cold wet tired you know just miserable shaking look down the beach there are kids that are playing in that same ocean all <laughs> exactly. day long that you can't get out right <laughs> Right. Be, why? Yeah. Because their mindset, they're having fun, right? Yeah. And so that's what I did in Buds. I yeah. had fun with that's it. That's awesome, dude. And here's the other like little insight. What do most college teams and professional teams do after a really hard workout? They take an ice bath. Yeah. So you're recovering in the ocean. Exactly. People don't realize that. People don't. People don't realize that the ocean at fucking in San Diego, California. If you've never been there, you don't get in the fucking ocean. (laughs) Like, like you go kids do, but (laughs) real normal sane adults don't fucking get in. No. Like you're, you know, you're just drinking your twelve dollar beer on the fucking beach. Exactly. (laughs) You know. And, And here's the other thing: is fatigue makes cowards of us all, right? So when do they always make us go get wet and sandy? You know, during regular evolutions, right? But when do they always go make us, for the most part, just sit in the surf zone after a really hard evolution? Yeah. Right? And of course, they're not telling you that that's for recovery. Right. You're going out there. They're for telling you it's for punishment so they can weed you out. They call yes. it surf torture. Yeah. So like, who's like, oh, this is going to be awesome because yeah. you're being told that it's surf torture. We're torturing you. Right, right, right. right. When in reality. It's helping you recover. If they did not make us do that, people's bodies physically could not go through all the physical work that we do through yeah. buds without sitting in that yeah. cold water. Right? I love it, dude. And so it's just changing your mindset. And I remember when that clicked for me, I was like, oh, this is awesome. Yeah. This is fun. You yeah. And I made it a game. So, you know, I made it through buds and then you go through SQT, which is SEAL qualification training, right? And hey, yeah, but buds is legit. You know, hell week is five and a half days straight, no sleep, yeah. all physical activities. Yeah. You know, that uh, you have people quitting left and right. Yeah. And I mean, I'm, well, I'm, I'm, uh, there's no might. I mean, I know I'm slightly sadistic when it comes to stuff like this. Yeah. Like I thrive off of people quitting around me. I do too. <laughs> I, I mean, I love it. I absolutely love it. And yeah. Hey, you may be a great no, person. No, dude, I get this. I get this. Cool. You're, you're programmed to operate from the dark side, just like I am. <laughs> I get it. Like, so totally totally understand that that mentality i mean i, I just love that and yeah you know and um and, so, and i wasn't a great 
athlete. You know, I just was in the very middle of the pack. I will say I was blessed to be a very good and strong swimmer. Yeah. Um, so on the days that we swam in buds, two mile ocean water swim, open, open ocean water swims, um, I'd usually always come in at like first, second or third with yeah. my swim partner. So I had more time to recover and lay around. Yeah. Um, so I was just, I was, I was lucky. I was a really strong swimmer. Uh, I wasn't the fastest. I wasn't the strongest. I'm just really good at suffering. Yeah. I, I can just, yeah. I go somewhere else mentally and I enjoy that. Like, yeah. I've heard you guys talk about this before. Like I thrive off of doing stuff that people complain about. Yeah. You don't like to go work out legs. Yeah. I want to go work out legs now. Yeah. Like you don't like to do sprints. Well, guess what? Now we're going to do sprints and yeah. squats. Sal's like that too. Sal's yeah. butt wired like that. Uh, I'm a little similar and I'm not as sadistic as you, but yeah, no, like yeah. on the days that I don't want to train, I tell Andy this all the time. Like I'll go purposely train legs because I know I'll get the most out of that workout versus going doing like dude it, some it goes back to our test days podcast workout. you know you mm-hmm. look at everything as a test when you you know when you're when you're when you're feeling like you're not sure about your abilities or what you should do then you should go fucking do that thing right now yeah. just like right. Jocko says like don't think about it just act yeah like yeah why 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 do you have to think about it right just, so just go act out of discipline yeah right so i'd love to flesh out the details and, a and wait bit more and that People understand that discipline is a skill that you can add to by doing exactly what you just said. I talked about this Sunday at the meeting. Discipline is a muscle, you know, and to get discipline, you got to do things that require discipline. 100%. And that means whenever you feel like, hey, I'm, I'm laying on the couch at the end of the day and I worked all day at your pussified job and you're feeling lazy and, you know, you don't want to go lift because you're being a bitch. Guess what? You should get up and go fucking lift. And I say that because a year and a half ago, I was 330 fucking pounds and just as big of a bitch as you probably are right now. So the way I've built my discipline back up is by catching myself in those moments Mm -hmm. and saying, dude, you're being a pussy. It's time to go and get up and go. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. No, you said you, uh, you would lock in and you go somewhere mentally. You go, you know, choose your place. So what is that for you? Like, we're talking about mental toughness. You said you'd go somewhere. I just wouldn't allow that pain and discomfort to be real. I, I just would lock it out. Like I would just think about like my brother and my sister and my, my, fa- and my parents, like just not letting them down. You know what I mean? Like the, you know, my uncles and aunts that I looked up to that, I mean, and our, our nation had been attacked. I knew there was service members that had been killed overseas fighting terrorists. And what am I going to do? Be complaining about some stupid discomfort and, like false thing that's in my mind that I'm allowing to be there. No. And so I would just shut it off. Okay. I'm claustrophobic and I have a huge fear of drowning. Yeah. Go to buds and be a Navy seal. That's a legit idea. right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And people are like, wait, what do you, how, how did the, you even make that happen? Well, because I realized that that fear of drowning and me being claustrophobic was something that I brought onto myself. And yes, it's legit. I, I still like if I'm at a party with friends and we're in the pool and people start roughhousing, I get out. Like right. I, I'm not comfortable because I don't want one of my buddies coming up behind me and putting his arm around my neck. And I'm yeah. going to be like, cool. Well, guess what? Now you're going to the bottom of the pool. I'm going to drown you. Yeah. Just because that's my reaction. Right. You know, right. I, I'm not comfortable with that. I right. don't like it at all. But yet in buds, they have this little thing called drown proofing where they tie your hands behind your back and tie your feet together and black out a mask and put it on you. And you have to do all this stuff and you know, you're doing stuff on breath holds and yes, absolutely terrifying for somebody who's claustrophobic and have fear of drowning. However, I was not going to allow that fear to take away from what I wanted to accomplish. Right. I wanted to be a Navy seal. 
I wanted to go overseas and kill terrorists. So that's what exactly what I was going to do. So I just had to get past that little discomfort and uneasiness. So dude, so first of all, I think it's awesome. This is awesome shit because the mentality that it takes to be successful in anything is very similar to it's, it's exactly similar. It's exactly the same as what you're saying. You know, what it took for you to overcome those things that you weren't comfortable with. You know, sometimes when we deal with people, especially in business world, and they think about success and they think about building a company and they think about, guys, this is all easy shit. It's about taking control of your fucking mind and building some discipline. Yeah, exactly. And it's taking control of your mind, discipline, and taking action. Right. Just doing it. And you you say this all the time, and I tell people all the time, hey, success isn't a financial thing. Right. Do you think I was really wealthy in the military? <laughs> no, it's not. No, it's not a financial thing. But guess what? Do you think I was successful? I feel that I was successful. You were. You know no, what I mean? dude. Like, dude. So that's the thing. That's success. why we always say in the podcast, it's not, when I say success, because of the way I present myself and I show the financial success, People think I'm talking about money, and I'm not. I'm talking about whatever it is you're trying to accomplish. You know, you're trying to be the best video game fucking player in the world. <laughs> That's successful. Yeah. It, but the principles of being successful, no matter where, fitness, you know, the military, business, video gaming, whatever, yeah. they're the same. Absolutely. You know, and uh, dude, most people can't master their mind in a way like, like, and that's what I respect and I love about guys who have become SEALs, and and when I talked to them, I met a, a number of them, uh, their ability to take control of of their mind and change perspectives so that they can operate in a functional way. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, dude, let's talk about, so you're 18 years old, you made it through Buds, you go through, you, you become a SEAL. Yep. All right? You know you're going to war. Yeah. All right, so tell me about that. Like, you're, like, you're, your first like mission where you had to like really do something like you had to shoot at people and shit. So I, uh, you know, so I make it through SQT and our SQT instructors, some of them had just been coming back from Afghanistan and right. Iraq. Like they, you know, so they're actually like, instead of like the other instructors that have been like, Hey, this is what we did in training. You know, like these yeah. are guys that are come back from like actual war. I mean, dude, is it okay for me to ask that? Because oh, like I yeah. talk, I, I have friends, this is like, you know, it's a taboo thing. Like people don't like you talk to some guys in the military and they, most guys, they don't talk about like actual shit that happened. And, and, and I'm always curious, but I'm afraid to ask, but I'm just going to fucking ask you. Cause I want to, I want to hear it. Well, I'll answer what I answer. And yeah. if I'm not comfortable, I'll just straight up tell you, but yeah, hey, yeah. I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah, like, yeah. I have no problem. Yeah. It. Yeah. So my first deployment, we were doing PSD, right? Well, so right. we were training to do the typical Navy SEAL mission, right? The capture kill mission, like super cool, sneak in at night, yeah. you know, blow up in the front door, go get them. If we, you know, if they have a weapon, shoot them in the face, like, yeah. yeah, cool stuff, right? Yeah. And then like, we're getting close to deploying and it's like, oh, hey, guess what? You guys are taking over the PSD mission, which is personal security detail. Okay. We're babysitting of adults, right? Okay. So we're in charge of keeping the top you know, six, seven dignitaries safe in Iraq with working with the army and the Marine Corps, like during the, the election time frame. Was that the cool, typical jo- Navy SEAL job that we want to do? Nope. But you know what? It was our job and right. we did our job to the absolute best of our ability. Right. So we come back from that deployment and guys are happy because, Hey, nothing happened. No major incidences happened. Uh, but the, then the insurgency started to rise. Right. And things were getting bad. The Blackwater ambush and just different stuff like right. that. Um, you you're know, getting some, you're getting some real pushback. Yeah. So, right. well, the thing is that these other, these little street punks and thugs and Saddam's little guys that we're dealing with started to get 
some leadership. Right. right? They, leadership, whether it's a good or bad organization, makes a difference. Yeah. Now they had some funding, some organization. And one of my buds instructors, Instructor Young, great guy, loved him, awesome instructor, became buddies with him. He was, you know, he, he gets out and he goes in contracts and he was a part of that Blackwater ambush. And I remember hearing about the fact that he was lit on fire and hung from a bridge. Holy shit. After they ambushed them. Yeah. Look up the Blackwater ambush. I mean, it's, this is one of your instructors. Yeah. I knew him. Right. And Holy so fuck. I remember hearing that that happened and I was like, just furious. Right. Yeah. And we just knew things were getting worse overseas, right? And that's when Jocko came into the picture for our task unit. New change of leadership. And he brought on this mindset of just training for war, you know, to win the fight. And just that's what we were doing, right? We were going to war. We knew it. And I remember we get over to Ramadi. It's 2006. And we're doing our first, like, well, let me back up a little bit. So we get to Ramadi. And I remember, like, one of the higher ups. Wait, so so just to clarify, your first tour on the on the personal security detail was, was in Iraq, and then you the came back. Camp. Then I come back. Okay, and, and then you went back. Workup. So yeah. when you come back, you're like, you're probably thinking like, hey, that's no big deal. Well, yeah, we're like, oh, that was cool, you know. Right, we we're gone for six months. So, but now all this deal. shit starts happening, and you're like, all right, yeah. Well, it was, we just it was something different, you know. We right, just knew it was gonna be different, and that's when. You know, we're going through the workup and they're like, hey, we need guys to go to sniper school before I could even raise my hand. They're like, Danelle, you're going. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Right. So I went through sniper school. I was one of our snipers in our task unit in our in my platoon. And um, so we make it through that workup. We do really well. We absolutely crush it because of our just mindset of just taking ownership and just all the stuff that Jocko brought to the table. And so we get overseas. And I remember one of the higher up, higher up SEAL officers is like, hey, you guys, you know. We don't know what the deployment is going to be like. You might not ever fire your gun, but, you know, that's, you know, we're here to, you know, do whatever we need to do work-wise. And guys are like, all right, yeah, roger that, whatever, right? That night, our base got attacked, and every team guy was up on the rooftop of the, the buildings that we stayed in in a gunfight. Holy shit. And I, I remember, Right after they tell you, like, yeah, hey, yeah, it's The same chill. day, he's like, yeah. you might not ever touch your gun, <laughs> yeah. right? And guys are, like, shooting their whole loadout that they had up on a rooftop. Holy fuck. It's in the middle of the night. Guys are, like, literally, we're all online on this on this rooftop. And I remember, I'm in, because we hear that the base is being attacked, right? And I was just getting ready to go to bed. And so I have my little, like, silky runny shorts on, right? You know? <laughs> the Derek Wyda shorts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I have my little silky. I'll get you a pair when you're here. <laughs> okay. That, yeah. yeah. I love that you guys have those. Yeah. I think that's so legit. Yeah, yeah. So, um, we, so I have those on. I throw my, my boots on, right? I throw my desert uh, um, <laughs> so jungle you, boots on. So you run up on the fucking rooftop in your underwear and your fucking boots. <laughs> they're not underwear. They're running shorts. <laughs> <laughs> they're shorter than underwear. <laughs> yeah. They're shorter than underwear. That is awesome. So, yeah. So I have that on. My boots, I put my body armor on, helmet with night vision, and I run up there with my gun. That's right? fucking awesome. And like you look around and guys are like in flip flops and shorts, <laughs> yeah. like carrying their body armor in one arm, like yeah. gun in the other. Yeah. And we're just getting after it. And I remember um my buddy comes up to the left side of me. And I didn't realize that he was that close to me, right? And he has a machine gun. And he opens up and all that linking and brass just hits my whole left oh, side. Oh, and you burn you up. Like no clothes on, yeah. right? And like it's getting in my body armor. I'm like, oh, like it's burning me. You're doing a fucking wiggle my dance. My whole left leg was bleeding, man, yeah. because that that link was hitting me so hard and so fast. Just cut. Oh, off my so he was leg. right on you. Yeah. Yeah. 
jackass. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm yeah. guessing you weren't exactly tan either at this point, right? <laughs> so you got these white pasty legs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dude, I'm Irish and Scottish. I don't tan anyways. You like, would fucking ask a question like that. <laughs> I was going to say, weirdo. like, that's kind of, that's... No, absolutely. What's yeah, a tan have to do with fucking machine gun fight, bro? <laughs> you stick the fuck? out, do you not? I'm glad he said that and I didn't. Oh, no, my no, God. No, I get Everybody go comment on Tyler's page about this. Jesus. Anyway. Anyway, so... Don't don't mind him. No, it's awesome. But um, yeah, and so that was our first night, right? Yeah. And then so we find out, you know, that we're going to be headed over to the eastern side of the Malab district. So it where, so it happened so fast, you didn't have time to think about it. It wasn't like we're going on this mission, and I got to no, like there was it's a, like snap, and then dude, you, you're our faces fucking going. Being yeah, the guys are grabbing what they. But can. that's a different that's a different thing than like somebody who has to go there, and then you're going on a mission. And you know, there's going to be shit, and you have time to think about it. It's kind of yeah. like baptism by fire. It's probably a good thing for you. No, it was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was great. Yeah. And the really cool part about it is like, I remember afterwards, everyone's like, just all like smiling and just high-fiving each other. Yeah. And we- Like they just shot off a fucking awesome fireworks show. Yeah, like, yeah. fuck, that was awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like, nobody thought. We didn't have to think about what we were doing. Yeah. We reacted because our training was just so solid. That's right? awesome. And so I remember, you know, the next day we're headed out to the Malab district and it's hot, man. Like it's even though it's April, like it's it's hot over there. And we're riding in the Humvees, and I could just smell the diesel fuel, and just we're riding down Ugh. Route Michigan, which yeah. at the time is the most dangerous road in the world. Like we're told, hey, there are constant IEDs, ambushes. Like you can't drive from the east of the west side to the east side without being attacked. Like right. that's just how Route Michigan was, right? Um, because when we showed up to Ramadi. We linked up with a, a reserve unit out of out of Pennsylvania, the two two eight, right? Their National Guard unit. They had been there for fourteen months, and they only controlled less than a third of the city. Holy shit! Like Ramadi at that time was the most dangerous neighborhood in the world. It had the highest concentration of enemy fighters, and uh, you know there was a Marine unit that pushed down a road in Ramadi, and in five hundred yards they hit thirteen different IEDs. Holy shit! I mean the area was absolutely insane. Yeah. And the task unit that we were, we were replacing told us, hey, if you guys go there, if you push into that area, everybody's going to die. And our bosses are like, good, that's where we're going. Not because they wanted us obviously to die or be wounded or no, but that's where the problem was. Exactly. Right. What do you accomplish from the sidelines in life? Nothing absolutely nothing you want to win the game you have to step foot on the field that's right and for us that was a field and, and dude we're you know not what's funny sit around no and the funny thing is is that it's the exact opposite of most people handle their fucking problems most people know where the big problem is and they look the other fucking way yeah and even within themselves you know they're afraid to look at themselves or analyze themselves and say all right this is the problem i have this is this is what i instead they just fucking look the other way go have beers with their bros and pretend it doesn't exist yeah and that's why you're not getting anywhere Exactly. You know, and, and it wasn't that the, the other unit over there like thought that way. They just, they just, what they were doing wasn't working, right? Yeah. And they didn't have the proper training and gear and anything. They're, yeah. they're a National Guard unit, right? right. And dude, when they're we showed them up, to get fucking slaughtered. Yeah, when we showed up, we were honored to work with them. Yeah. I mean, they were hardened combat warriors, yeah. right? And we were there to help and assist and do whatever we needed, right? And so what we were going to do is we were going to do a push. We were basically clearing house to house through Ramadi. Yeah. Wow. And so we, that's exactly, that's the only huh. way to win. Yeah. That's what they talk about in the, in the um, American cyber movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's what we were doing. So when we Chris Kyle out, comes down yeah. and joins the guys, yeah, that's, yeah. What, that's the, what you're talking about, right? 
is he? I, I, if he's, in the movie, if he's, he's talking about Ramadi, then yes, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think well, that's where they he... also did that in Fallujah. He well, was on the okay, maybe it is. Yeah. yeah. Either way, but that's he was how your counterpart, by the way, right? Yeah. So Chris was a lead sniper and point man in Charlie Platoon, and I was a lead sniper and point man in Delta Platoon. Yeah, so that's we were cool. each other. So if you've read his book or listened to his movie, you know, like you did. That's what you did. Well, so you know when they're teasing him about the young sniper catching up to him? Yeah, that was me. Yeah. Oh, that so, is. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so. They told, you know, so we were told, hey, don't go there. It's unwinnable. Everyone's going to die. And we're like, okay, that's bullshit. Like, we need to go there. We're going to go there, right? And the enemy was so used to them being able to rape, torture, and murder the local innocent populace, right? Because nobody was there. The, the right. U.S. forces wouldn't go there because they get slaughtered. Yeah. So instead of them getting to hunt, we started hunting them. Right. Like legitimately, yeah. Like we brought the fight to them. We cleared house to house to house with these amazing National Guard soldiers that had minimal training, improper gear, but were making we're willing it to happen, work. Right? Yeah. Wow. And then so they were replaced about a month later with the one one AD, and they're uh, an armored division, so it's tanks, right? And so now we had tanks. Like, oh, cool. You guys yeah. want to mess around? Yeah. We got tanks, right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that pretty much that pretty much solves any fucking problem. Like yeah. it doesn't matter what problem on earth. If it, if the if the solution is we got tanks, you fucking won. Yeah. So we have tanks, and we have Navy SEAL snipers and Navy SEAL machine gunners that are bringing the fight to you. Yeah. Like you're all gonna die. You're fucked. Right. Yeah. And so uh, just the soldiers and Marines that we worked with, like we are truly honored and humbled to work for them because, hey, it's their battle space. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we worked for them. We were to support them. That's all. That's all right. And so, you know, when we when I work with different companies with Echelon Front, this is kind of part of what we talk about is, you know, the battle Ramadi and what we did, you know. And so I remember we're driving out to the eastern side. We're going to this Ford operating base. And it's just nighttime. I'm just sensory overload, right? I can smell the diesel fuel. You know, we're on night vision. Just sweats just dripping down my face. You know, just scan, you know, they're, you know, people's invisible lasers. You can see them under night vision, scanning the roads. You know, we're going super slow because they have to check for IEDs and they're digging up IEDs that they, you know, I just, it took us forever. Yeah. And the whole time, you know, that at any moment you're fucking standing still target. A hundred percent. Right. Right. And so. We, uh, we finally make it out there, and I remember making it in through the front gate, and we're going to this building, and full metal jacket, and it's just this old, blown-out building. Like, you think from the old war movies that you've seen? Yeah. It's just an old, blown-out Yeah, like that full scene in Full Metal Jacket where there's that, the, the girl sniper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. there's just yeah. blown-out buildings and all this crap, and so that's where we're going to be, and that's, you know, we're going to be staying there with some, uh, you know, soldiers and, uh, and Marines. You know, it's all built up with sandbags, and I'm like, dude, this is awesome. Like, I'm just, like, beyond, like, <laughs> yeah. this is exactly what I've wanted to do my whole life. <laughs> That's fucking and, nuts, uh, man. And so we, I remember we get there, and we're all in this one room, right? Our whole task unit's in this one room. Everyone's on cots. Um, when I get home, man, I'll, I'll send you a picture of just that living station. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I, when I show people that, they're like, that's where you guys live? Bro, like, I want to hear all of this shit. Yeah, like, it, was, it yeah. was awesome. And so I remember we're prepping to go out the next day because we're doing a push. And what we're doing is we're going in waves, right? Like one, you know, Alpha will go first, then Bravo, then Charlie. Then after Charlie, Alpha goes back out again. Right. right? And we're just continuously doing this push for 72 hours. Like that's all we're doing is just to say, hey, guess what? Here we we're are. We're here. Yeah. And we ain't leaving. Yeah. Because. And it's a relentless show of force. Exactly. Right. Because the one one AD brought this new perspective of, hey, guess what? We're going to build combat outposts in the city. 
and we're going to live in the city with the local populace while we push through, while we provide stability to them as we win this battle, right? Because, hey, what they were doing before wasn't working. This is could work. Right. Like, let's switch it up, right? right? Like, quit doing the same thing over and over and over and over if it doesn't work. Right. So we brought this new perspective to the team. And so... Well, it seems like a good strategy. I mean, like, I don't know a lot about military tactics, but, I mean, if you can figure out a way to constantly have pressure on them, yeah. it's... Well, they, when they can't do that. Exactly. You know, and they so, got to sleep sometimes. They got to eat sometimes. Yeah. You know, and, so and these, if you keep a constant flow of force, it mm-hmm. makes sense. And we literally pushed house to house. Yeah. Like alleyway to alleyway. And every day we went out, we were in a gunfight. Yeah. Like it was guaranteed. Like yeah. do, we were doing daytime. You guys were shooting motherfuckers every day. Yeah. Every day. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I, I remember, I, I, dude, I'm sitting over here smiling. Like <laughs> yeah, it sounds too, fucking awesome to me. And I know there's like some people here that listen to the podcast and they're like, you know, idealists and sensitive people, and they'll probably say, dude, you're fucking fucked up. But yeah, you know what? I might be, but I think it's awesome too. But no, no. So here's the thing that would be messed up about that. Yeah. Is if we were just out there killing people to kill people. No, I get it. But we're yeah. killing evil people. Right. That are killing. No, like in the fucking people. movie where they drill that kid's fucking head and shit. I'm sure that was like, that's probably like some of the nicer shit they did. You know what I mean? So, you know, so dude, let me ask you this because I got to ask. Like, you're, 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 you're 19, 20 years old. Okay. You're over there serving and you're in a gunfight with these motherfuckers all over, you know, there's people all over and you got to fucking kill people. Yeah. What's going through your mind? Like, so, for, like for real. Cause so like, yeah, no, no, no. So my first deployment, yeah, I was like 18, 19, 20. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, like, I think people want to know that. Like people are curious about how that, how people think in that situation. So I turned 23. The month before we went over there yeah. to Ramadi, right? This is my second deployment. I just turned 23. I'm our lead sniper, our point man, machine gunner. And there was times where like what you're asking us, I'm in the middle of a gunfight, right? Right. Like literally a couple of times we were ambushed. Guys are getting shot up. I'm in the middle of a gunfight and people are always like, hey, are you thinking about your family or people back home? I'm like, no, there are a lot of more bad guys that I need to kill before I go home. Like, that's what I'm thinking yeah, about. Yeah. It's the mission focus. It like, makes hey, sense to me, man. That's what exactly yeah. what I'm thinking about. Because if right? you fucking think about all those shit that people think they would think about, you'd be fucking dead. Exactly. Because that creates hesitation. Right. And in a gunfight on the battlefield, you have enough things going on that are not in your benefit as it is. The fog of war is real. So if you are slightly distracted at any one point in time, you can get yourself killed or even worse. The yep. guy to your left and right killed. Yeah. You have to remain focused. And my whole thing on that deployment was killing bad guys. That's my only thought. And saving innocent people. I mean, the the, the changes that we made in Ramadi was truly remarkable. Right. You know? And the soldiers that we worked with, the, the Marines that we worked with, laid it all out on the line. And they, they made a difference. And we're just honored to be there with them. Well, man. so, dude, let's tie in. Okay. <clears throat> Let's tie that in, that mentality, okay. because I think that mentality is so crucial to have in business, okay? You're saying, and and this is what I'm hearing when you say that, and I, I already knew the answer to that question before I asked it, by the way, yeah. but I had to ask it because I know people are curious, and when you are in a situation in life and you're trying to accomplish something, you're trying to be successful, being successful at anything, and you tell me if you disagree, because you work with a lot of companies, you're very seasoned yeah. consultant, you know, you've done a lot of leadership training, but you have to be focused on the task at hand at all times. It can't be, I'm going to spread a little bit of energy here, I'm going to worry about this over here, I'm going to worry about what my girlfriend says, I'm going to worry about what this person says. 
No, fuck all that shit, dude. You've got to focus on what the problem is and fix it. Yeah, 100%. The last muster that we had in San Diego, you know, I talked about that. The the mission focus. Right. Being focused on the mission, you know. And, you know, I actually have the, the domains that I bought because I want to do something with it with echelon front with what we do is mission first mindset, right? Yeah. The mission comes first. If you maintain that mindset, you will achieve success. There's no question. Like, I mean, and that's why there's no question. That's why I was like, what can I do with JP? That's where people fucking, that's where people screw up because I get so many, I mean, dude, you know, we've got a huge podcast. We've got an awesome following, but so many of my questions are related to what we're talking about right now. Just as we spoke to an awesome guy on the phone right before this podcast, but I'm going to use him as an example. He 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 kind of wants to do this. He kind of wants to do that. He kind of this that this this this. And we're, and what do we tell him? We said, bro, you got to get fucking focused, and and you got to stay focused on this. And so many people fuck up their whole lives because their girlfriend at the time, who's probably going to be a temporary person in your life. Let's just factually yeah. talk about statistically. Yes. Okay. Is telling them one thing, and their best friend is telling this other thing, and then this person is telling that. And all that shit's distracting from something that could be an awesome, amazing opportunity. It causes you to fumble the ball. Yeah. You know, and when you're out in a battle, it's no different. Dude, yeah. if you if you think about, you know, the fight you just had with your wife because you haven't been home in months, or uh, you know, your dad and your and your family, which I know you're very close with, yes. and you're thinking about these things, dude, you're gonna get fucking killed. And it's over then. It's over. You don't have a chance to recover. So and and that comes down, I mean, and dude, we, we legitimately could talk about this for 12 hours. Oh, there's, and um, dude, we, we, believe me, if we, we could cut this into two parts too. So like, I don't want to, dude, no, you could bring so much good value. I just don't want to cut it short. No, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here for as yeah. long, but so let me piggyback on that yeah. is making sure you have the right support system, right? Right. right. So my parents knew that Ramadi was just an absolute bloody battle, right? It was all over the news, the battle of Ramadi, right? Right. And I feel bad now that I think that, that, you know, my parents knew that's where I was going. Think about it that. And not only that, you're, you're like right in the fucking middle of it. It's not like you're some desk, dude, you know, there was, there was pictures on the news of us on rooftops in firefights. Yeah. Like, yeah, they're, they're, they're it's agonizing to them. They, they know they're like, wait, is that, is that JP? No, that's not JP, but that's his buddies. Like they, they know those people. Right. right? So they're seeing all this. It's ha- so I say that to paint the picture of having the right support system, right? My parents had a lot of bad things happen to them while I was deployed to Ramadi. Guess how much of it I heard about zero, none, Yeah. none. Right. And I'm talking some messed up stuff. Yeah. Well, just knowing the little bit you shared about your dad, I, I mean, yeah. there's no way. I didn't hear about any. I was so mad at my parents when I came home and I finally figured out what was going on. I'm like, why? And they're like, because that is no. You had other things to deal with. Yeah. Right? And so you have to remain focused, right? right? You have to have that mission first mindset. What is your mission, right? Now, do you believe in the mission? You have to believe in your mission. Yeah. Now to tie that together with that is, do you understand why you're doing what you're doing? Like, do you, what is your why? And I know you guys talk about this a lot. Right. What is your why? What drives you? What gets you out of bed? Right. Do you, do you want to do this because you think you're supposed to do this? Or do you want to do this because it means something to you uh, in another way? Or you're going to leave a legacy if you're going to make an impact or it's something that you want because so many people, dude, they don't know why they're doing what the fuck they're doing because they're doing shit because they think they're supposed to. Exactly. You know, and that and, and if you're doing things because you think you're supposed to do them, you're not going to be very successful because you don't have a passion behind it. You can't. You know, we talk about this. You know, it's, it's in the book Extreme Ownership. We talk about it with companies. 
you know, a big thing was decentralized command, right? A lot of people are like, well, we tried that. It just doesn't work. No, you're doing it the wrong way, right? right? You can't properly execute decentralized command if your team doesn't understand why they're doing what you're telling them to do. The reason why we were so successful in Ramadi is because we knew why we were doing what we were right. doing and we believed in it. And there, you know, I still have emails in my account from buddies that are like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are, why are you guys doing daytime presence patrols with the army? That's not what Navy SEALs do. Right. Well, guess what? That's, there was a job to be done. We do what we fucking have to do. We believed in the mission. Right. And that, you know, and so that's what we were doing. You know? Right. And so if you believe in what you're doing and you understand why you're doing it, that's going to push you past all the distractions, allow you to become laser-like focused and push out all the other stuff. And guess what? If you have that girlfriend that's not supporting you or that boyfriend that's not supporting you in you accomplishing your goals and dreams, I'm telling you right now, get rid of them. Dude, Get Amen. rid of them as fast as you can. I had a kid reach out to me on Instagram, which I think is awesome. I have a lot of guys that reach out to me like, hey, I'm thinking about being a Navy SEAL. What do you think about this? And I'll give them what guidance I can. And one of them was like, yeah, you know, I've been with my girlfriend and, you know, she's just not very, you know, supportive of me joining the military. And I'm like, cool, break up with her. He goes, but I love her. I'm like, okay, well, do you want to be in the military? He goes, more than anything. I'm like, go break up with her tonight. Because I'm telling you right now, if she's not supportive of you joining the military, which is a very admirable job to I go agree. do in the first place, it's not like you're saying, hey, I want to go like deal drugs. And she's right. like, honey, I don't agree with that. Right. You're saying you want to serve your country and be a Navy SEAL and she doesn't support you. I'm telling you right now, she will not bring anything to the table in the long term. Not only that, dude, not only will she not bring anything to the table, she'll take away from you. And you have to be with somebody who in a, and dude, we could do a whole thing on relationships, but dude, yeah. I see this, dude, I see more young guys and more young girls ruin their fucking futures because of girlfriends and boyfriends than anything else. Yeah. And dude, you have to realize those people at 22 years old or 23 years old or 25 years old or 27 years old are likely temporary. You've got to do what's right for you. And you know, not only should you not have somebody in your life that's nagging and taking you away, not believing you should have somebody in your life that's fucking pushing you to be better. Yeah. Let's put it this way. If you've, have you ever met anybody who was questionable about breaking up with somebody and then they did, did you, have they ever regretted it? No. Yeah, only if they didn't get laid for like the next three months because they had no game and they're like, fuck, I wish I still had that pussy around. I mean, let's be real. That's the reason guys regret it. It's not because they regret being with the person. It's because they're not getting laid. Right. That's the truth. I, I've, ne I've never, you know, exactly to your point, like I've never met anybody that's like, man, I really regret breaking up with that person. It's like, man, I wish I would have done that sooner. Exactly. It's just like exactly. With, we work with companies, right? And they're always like, man, you know, about when it comes to like firing an employee, right? Dude. And like, this is the thing, like the, the easiest answer when people are like, hey, when when's a good time to fire somebody? And our answer all the time is when you don't feel bad about it. Right. And not because you're just a cold-blooded person that likes to fire people, but when you have given as much resource and time and effort into that person. And you've tried multiple times to make it work and work with them and coach them and teach them. And when it, you don't feel bad about it, that's when you need to do it. And out of all the companies echelon fronts worked with the people that they've, they, they come back to us. Right. And they said, Hey, we let that person go. How many of them do you think is like, man, we, we regret that. None of them. None of them. And they're like, we wish we would have done that sooner. Yeah. Right? So same thing with negative people in your life. Right. 
And unfortunately, Andy, and I know you know this and everybody, you know, Tyler and Vaughn know this as well. You people are only going to learn this through their own mistakes, right? right. Trial and error. Right. However, I say because they always believe their situation is the exception, and that's fine because right. we've done that. Because well, dude, done it, no, you know? I have too. But but what people do in personal relationships is they they fall in love with the potential of the relationship. They build this fucking picture in their mind. They're like, oh, one day I'm going to marry this girl and we're going to have these kids and we're going to live here. And, we're, and so this is like when they're dating and everything's good and they build up this great fucking idea of how things are going to be. Then when things get bad, they don't like consider how things are bad. They, they're like, so when they think about breaking up, they're think they're losing all this future shit that they built in their mind, which isn't even real. Yeah. And that's what makes it hard to get rid of them. And then the, the sad thing about it is, People don't learn from those mistakes, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, we all can sit there and say, I mean, we've all made those mistakes. Look, man, all I of mean, us And have. I wish, and I've made the mistake multiple times. We all have, right? Yeah, right. But it's, if you can recognize that, hey, I made this mistake, I need to learn from it, like, that's how you truly grow as an individual, right? right? I mean, it goes back to what we did in training in the SEAL teams. We put ourselves in situations where we failed constantly. And we did that so that we could learn from our failures so that we could adapt and grow and be better. Right. right? And right. so if we can do that in training, why can't people do that as individuals? They can. Well, they can. Yeah. They're just not focused enough. They're, right. They're not disciplined enough right. to do it. I guess, right. So. Yeah, man. I, you know, it's interesting because when we talk about, you know, we have a di- number of different kinds of guests on the show. You know, we've had guys like you who, who, who are Navy SEALs or high military guys. We've had guys who are authors. We've had guys who have built huge businesses. We've had guys who, you know, are been successful in other areas. But, dude, it's interesting because, like, all the principles are always parallel. They're always the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? No matter what you're trying to accomplish. So, dude, tell us some more shit about, like... Blowing people away. <laughs> like, dude, that's what I want to hear. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's okay. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's like, I knew this, I knew this podcast was going to go like this. Like we, we almost yeah. got to that point. Yeah. And then someone said something and we went down a whole other yeah. tangent where we just talked about relationships. Like yeah. from me talking hey, about my first patrol in yeah. my body to, Hey, if your girlfriend's not supporting you, you need to break up. Yeah. With kick her to the curb <laughs> so you can go blow people away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, you know, we're, we're getting ready to head out on to do that first push. Right. And, um, you know, for these pushes, um, you know, we're patrolling in the streets. I'm not going to be acting as a sniper. Right. So I'm a machine gunner. That was my other thing. What'd you shoot? Right. Uh, the Mark 46. Yeah. So it's a belt fed five, five, six machine gun. Right. Yeah. Uh, the box of ammo that's attached to the gun holds 200 rounds and similar to a saw, right? Well, yeah, it is a saw. Okay. Yeah, 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 saw. So it's Mark 46 yeah. saw, right? And so I'm carrying the saw. I'm one of the saw gunners. Uh, I'm going to be rolling as our rear security guy. And so, of course, like... That's a heavy gun. Especially yeah. loaded. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then when you when you put another 800 rounds on you... Yeah. Yeah. So That's I, a lot of fucking shit so to carry. I have carry. 200 on the gun, another 800. Yeah. You know, and then I put another 200 in my backpack as well. So I'm yeah. carrying 1,200 rounds. Yeah. The normal loadout that guys carry and train with is 600. Right. right? So, so you can't double. Yeah. What's that weigh? That's got to weigh 150 pounds at least. Man, I, I wish I knew. I'll look yeah. it up and figure it out. But um, the, like the crazy thing to that is. And it's hot as fuck too. Yeah. 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 We're like 115, 120 yeah. degrees right now. Yeah. Right. Um, and so we're loaded out. And I remember we're starting the patrol and there's just like, I'm just, just a smell of trash. 
and just shit. Yeah. You know, because just nasty smell. Well, no, they just yeah. don't use rest. They don't have restrooms like we do. You yeah. Know what I mean, so they'll go out in their front yard and go to the bathroom. Right. And so you just smell that throughout the city or people literally just go out and like go to the bathroom in the street. You know, and there's yeah. this raw sewage yeah. in the road. And yeah. There's trash. It's that, it's that, uh, it's that like nauseating piss smell. It, it, dude, it was worse yeah. than that. It yeah. was just disgusting. It was just this, like, just smelling of just, just burning trash and yeah. everything. You know, so I'm pretty much the worst sweating. possible shit that you could smell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The worst possible stuff that you could smell. I'm sweating. We're, we're all sweating, right? Yeah. And we're just, we're headed out. And I remember the Iraqi that was assigned to me because all, oh, also, a curveball that we were throwing was like, oh, by the way, you'll take Iraqi soldiers out with you on every operation that you do. Is it like one on one? Like everybody gets one, like well, a buddy system, or we we just had to bring them out so yeah, so we could train them up, right? Right. And so that's how they learn. They learn actually out on the fucking. Well, we were supposed to be teaching them, and that was a good way for us to train them as well as yeah. by bringing them out on missions with us, right? Yeah. By just forcing them to work and do something, yeah. Because these guys weren't motivated; they didn't want to do anything, yeah. And the guy that's with me has his like pants rolled up into like capris. He's wearing flip flops and he has a rusted AK that doesn't even have a magazine in the gun. And I'm like, Oh, this is awesome. Like this. <laughs> what the fuck? But at the same time, I'm like, cool. His gun's not loaded. I don't have to yeah. worry about yeah. him shooting. Yeah. Me, right. So wow. anyway, so we're patrolling out and, um, you know, I remember I'm rocking, uh, rolling rear security and we're with other guys. We're mixed in. We have Iraqis. So instead of the normal bounding rear security, like we have, I'm, doing rear security by myself so i'm watching the rear and then i'll turn around and i'll run to catch up and i'll turn around and do that and i'm trying to do that back and forth by yeah. myself so you're gonna shot in the back and you hear yeah. gunshots going on and over the radio we hear that there's enemy fighters in our area there's women screaming you know there's other units in gunfights you're hearing you know tanks moving around the area just all just the fog of war right, right. literally like the sun has kind of already been rising so it's just that, that weird you know the dust and everything in the city and uh, I remember we we start to go north up this up this road, and we hear, "Hey, there's enemy fighters in that southern region. Like, where there's movement towards you guys." And I just remember hearing that over the radio, right? And I'm watching rear security. I bound up to the guys. I turn around and I, I see this guy peek around the corner and go back, right? And I just remember instantly, like our rules of engagement brief that we were told it was like, "Hey guys, what these guys are doing is they'll peek around the corner." And then they'll hide. They'll peek back around the corner and then they'll hide. And then on the third time that they come out, they're coming out with an RPG or an AK or an RPK and they're just lighting us up. They're ambushing us, right? Or they'll come out in the third time and then they'll walk across toward now you're following that guy. And the guy comes out. And then you get ambushed and flanked, right? Yeah. And so I remember that. Like all of a sudden I see the guy peek and he's all mooshed up like an area, like an right. like, Oh shit it's on you yeah. know what I mean and I remember I had my gun and I bring my gun up and I manipulate it from like safety to fire and I was like wait am I on safe or am I on fire like I started to question myself yeah, like, yeah. Oh, wait was I already on fire was I you know like just that intense moment right right just right like what am I doing what am I doing you know yeah. so I'm like manipulating my safety back and forth like am I on fire am I safe I can't look down because if I look down if he comes around with a gun like yeah you're done yeah I'm gonna get shot or my guys are gonna get yeah. shot right and so I'm trying to like backpedal, like I'm walking backwards, like trying to catch up with the guys. Like I'm holding on this corner. That guy comes around again, like looks and I have a gun pointed at him, right? I have a machine gun pointed at him and there's all these doing and it doesn't phase him. So I'm like, 
this is a bad guy. Right. A hundred percent. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like good people don't just look at no, guys they fucking, with guns they and go like, away and yeah. just mean mug them. Right. Yeah, right, like, right. That's your first little sign. Like, and I remember in training, one of the guys saying, Hey, when there's a gunfight and there's chaos, the ones that are calm walking around and not running away, they're a part of what's going on. Right. And I just remember like just all these little things of training started coming back in. Right. And I remember he comes back around and as he comes around, he has a gun and he's bringing up the gun and I did, I already have my gun on him Yeah. and my training clicks in. Like I remember like rolling my finger feeling, okay, Hey, if I feel that it's on safe, click over. But dude, I put like, 15 to 20 rounds just into this dude's chest. Yeah. <laughs> fold them over. Another guy comes around the corner, cut him in half as well. Yeah. And I'm just full on like contact rear, like yelling it out. Yeah. Right. Just laying down cover fire. So this was coming from behind you guys. This came from the okay. rear. Right. So I yell contact rear guys turn around, you know, and I'm just pop, 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 just with the machine gun yeah. just opening up. Right. Yeah. And we had guys up on rooftops that were starting to like kind of move around in that position. I mean, we were in an ambush. Right. 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 And so, and then all of a sudden I hear the guns, which are behind me, but in front of me of the patrol right. as it's movement, right? They start opening up on the other side of the road. So oh, I, so you guys are getting it from both sides. No, no, no. That was my guys allowing me to come back. Oh, okay. Yeah. So all right, we we're providing it. some cover and move, right? Okay. So I'm shooting, right? And then I hear them shooting. I still shoot a little bit more to make sure. I remember I, I, you know, off the gun, a finger off the trigger. I look back and it's my guys like laying down cover fire, like pop, 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 yeah. pop. I turn and I'm hauling, right? I run back. I pass them. Bop, 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 bop. Just, I'm just like engaging. Doing the same for positions. them. Right. So now they can move back. So we're right. leapfrogging all the way back and we get to this alleyway that they, just, I mean, this um, courtyard, they kicked in the gate, made entrance. They cleared that building and we're trying to get like a good tactical position. And I'm in the middle of the street, just laying it down because if I would have moved into the courtyard, we didn't have visibility on these guys anymore. Right. So I was in the middle of the street, just pop, 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 just right. laying down cover fire from these positions. And I remember they're like, Hey, we've got to get over to that building to get the high ground. And I just remember like, while this is happening, I'm like, this is awesome, dude. Oh, you know dude I mean? yeah. like, I'm like so fired up and like, like, this is what I want to do. Right? Yeah. And this is what we trained for. Yeah. And, um, they're like, JP, we need up on that rooftop. So cover our movement. So I'm like, pop, 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 just opening up on my machine gun. I'd already changed out a box of ammo at this point in time. Yeah. And I've already gone through 200 rounds. Yeah. Right. And so they're all running across the street. They make entrance into this other courtyard. And then we get up to the rooftop and we, we had, now we had that, you know, tactical advantage right. to these guys. And we're just engaging guys in the courtyard that were trying to ambush us. And I mean, it was, that was welcome to Ramadi. Yeah. That was the very beginning. Yeah. You know, the night before, Hey, you guys so was that dude like the, was that the gun. first dude that you had to like actually kill? Yeah. Yeah. And you were yeah. like, fuck yeah. I was so excited. Yeah. And yeah. we got into uh, a couple other gunfights that morning, you yeah. know, like, you know, dude, I'm thankful kill, there's dudes like you out there, man. Guys. You know, it was yeah. awesome, you know, and all you motherfuckers listening and are appalled by saying how cool it is. You guys should be fucking thanking your lucky stars that motherfuckers like this exist. Yeah. Well, we don't want it to happen here. In the exactly. States. Exactly. You know, so uh, anyway, so that that morning um, we we got into a handful of other firefights, you know, with guys, you know, killed a handful of other guys. And, uh, you know, like I told you, I went out with 1200 rounds, right? Yeah. When we were patrolling back to base to, or to the area where the other group was replacing us, I had one box of ammo left on yeah. the gun. 
So you shot went through a thousand rounds. I went through over a thousand rounds yeah. of just you know now that's not all obviously shooting people. No, no, no. But, but there's laying tactical down cover yeah, fire right. exactly. and you know, movements and you know hey guess what people can't shoot at you when you're shooting them. Right. So that's what I, my well, job is. is the smart ones won't. <laughs> hey, uh, hey, go ahead and try. Right. Thank exactly. You. Yeah. And so I remember we get back. I'm just all fired up, right? And Jocko was just, I remember just the look on Jocko's face, like, you know, just he was proud of us, right? Yeah. Just, that was the fulfillment, right? Yeah. You know, and that was, you know, we talk about success not being a financial thing. Right. Um, to me, that was success. Like seeing Jocko proud of us and yeah. what we had done, looking at the guys that I had gone out with and we'd all worked together. We all came back. Now, some of the guys got fragged up and shot up and, you know, it's, hey, that's yeah. just part of it, right? right. You're in a gunfight. Right. It's People you know, are going to get shot. It happen, right? Right. Um, and so we make it back and I'm like, hey, I'm going back out on the next group. And he's like, no. I was like, let me go. And I was like begging him, like, let me go back out because I was like, man, I'm, I'm familiar with it. I know what's going on. Like, it's funny. I really didn't. But just those hours that we were out there, I felt like I I needed to be there with the next group to right. guide them. Right. 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 You're gaining like, confidence. Yeah. And he's right. like, hey, man, trust me. You're going to get plenty of it this deployment. Like, go back and rest. So I went, changed out my gear, loaded everything back up. We were the QRF for the next group, which is a quick reactionary force. You know, we're on standby. And um, that's pretty much how our deployment was like. So if I was not... So this went on for months. Six months. Yeah. So if I was not patrolling on the streets as a machine gunner, I was a sniper providing overwatches. And there was times where I patrolled as our point man with only my 300 wind mag. Yeah. Because, you know, we're getting ready to go out and do a sniper overwatch. You know, it, it was getting to the point where it was so hot there you could only carry so much gear properly. Right. What am I going to do? Have my 300 wind mag on my back with other stuff and then carry my machine gun? It was just too much. Yeah, right, right. Right. And I had Mikey Mansoor who, you know, if you're not familiar with Mikey, he received the medal of honor. Um, you know, at the very end of our deployment, he jumped on our grenade and saved the other three guys. Well, he was my machine gunner. You know, he was my, you know, a new guy that was with me. So when I was patrolling as a point man, I was comfortable only rocking the 300 wind mag, which is a, because you, you, you knew you had a stud with Because I knew you. I had Mikey. Yeah. And, you know, hey, at the, you know, the, I know there's a, lot of, there's a lot of military guys that are out, out there going to be like, that's stupid. You're an idiot. Yeah, you know what? You're right. I should not have been patrolling point man with a bolt action rifle. Yeah. Like, you're, like, it's, a, like, like, like you're in 19 fucking 14. Yeah. But you know what? It was like a little over halfway through the deployment. I didn't really care anymore. Right. So, right. Uh, but, you know, that that Ramadi deployment was, was extremely humbling. You yeah. Know, we, um, it had to be one of the most, most, uh, memorable, rewarding, memorable, rewarding and, um, meaningful in terms of how, what you learned. Yeah, absolutely. About yeah. yourself and about other things. A hundred percent. You know, we went from being in 30 to 50, you know, enemy attacks a day in Ramadi to towards the end. It was like one a day. Yeah. You know, one a week, you know. Cleaned it up. And we cleaned up Ramadi. Yeah. You know, and it was either because they left or we were killing them. Right. We didn't care either or we're gonna facilitate both. Right. Know? And seeing the the local Iraqis get their neighborhood back was amazing. I bet they were happy. It was it was yeah. amazing. It was rewarding, you know, and seeing the the Iraqis that we worked with saying, Wow, we made a difference, you know. Because right. hey, that's their home, that's their neighborhood, right? Right. And, you know, as you guys know, um, every victory comes with a cost though, you right. know, and that Ramadi that it was, that was a heavy one, you know, um, you know, dozens of vehicles and tanks completely destroyed and gone. Right. 
um, over 500 soldiers, sailors, and Marines were wounded in that six-month period, and 61 were killed in action. And, um, you know, the, the hits for our task unit, that was, that was hard. You know, we're a small unit. We lost Mark Lee on August 2nd towards the end of our deployment. He was the first Navy SEAL killed in Iraq. Uh, he was shot in the face by an enemy sniper while he was protecting his guy's movements. Um, you know, Mikey Mansoor that I was just talking about, you know, he was, yeah, it should have been, should have been his last combat operation, man. We were packed up, ready to go home. And on, uh, September 29th, 2006, head out to do a sniper overwatch. And, um, a grenade gets tossed up onto the rooftop and, you know, he has the out, he has the stairwell that he could have jumped, you know, off the roof down the stairwell. And uh, he jumped on top of that grenade, man, and saved the other three guys' lives that were around him. And, um, you know, on the same day that Mark was killed, Ryan Job was shot in the face as well and completely blinded, gets pulled out of country, obviously, sent overseas to uh, Germany, swelling in his brain because the fragments that's in his face and his brain and loses his sense of smell, his sense of taste. And, um, you know, his high school sweetheart that he... You know, was in, she was in nursing school. She quits nursing school to take care of them. They get married. And, um, you know, in, in, in September of 2009, the week that they find out that they're having a baby girl, he goes in for his 22nd surgery and doesn't make it back. You know, and you talk about what we took back from that deployment. You know, I can, you know, I'm rubbing my finger because, you know, I, I was cut down to the bone. And uh, they thought I was going to lose my finger, so I got medevaced out of that forward operating base to a big base for surgery. And that one op that I missed was the op that Mikey was killed on. So, yeah, what do you come back from a deployment like that with? A lot of guilt. Right. A lot of doubt. A lot of anger. A lot of what ifs. Oh, right. dude. Insane. Yeah. Right. And um, you can sit in that darkness. You can do the what ifs. And you can wonder and you could play those games and you can, but where does that get you? Absolutely nowhere. Right. Uh, it you keeps know, you in the darkness. A hundred percent. Right. And the lessons that we learned on the battlefield, that's what we had to bring <clears throat> back. Right. About humility, teamwork and ownership. Right. Taking ownership of everything that affects your mission, your life. Right. And those around you. And that leadership is the most important thing on the battlefield. And I'm, Today as well, and as you know, everybody in this room knows, leadership is the most important thing off the battlefield. No question. And I'm not talking about the CEO like you are, right. but all the way down no, three, to the guy that's in the 360 degree leadership. That is legitimately yes. in charge of nothing else other than himself. Right. Leadership to the individual. Right. You know, and that's that's how you win. And, you know, we, we took those lessons that we learned on the battlefield. And that's why I love when we talk with companies and I talk with individuals, these aren't theories. These are things that have been proved, proven to win. Right. right? And we won the battle of Ramadi. We won. And when I say we I don't mean the seal teams, I mean, us fighting forces, right. America, right. we won right. working together, right. right. With the army, with the Marine Corps, with the air force. I mean, we all work together to right. make it happen. And, you know, and that's, yeah, a lot of awesome memories, uh, some amazing opportunities that we were a part of, but those lessons that we learned that we took back. Right. I mean, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. Know? And so, yeah, dude, you know, <clears throat> um, super powerful to hear you talk about that. And definitely, uh, you know, I don't think people are aware 
first of all, that you guys are all close, how close everybody is over there. You know, like when you're talking about your buddies, that these are dudes that you were fucking close with. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that when people have hard things happen to them, they do tend to stay in the darkness and they, they tend to dwell in it and they tend to question and they tend to say, well, if this, if that, if this, guess what? It isn't that way. It's this way. And I think being a realist about the way things are is super important to pulling yourself out of those holes because it would be really easy for you to be a guy who would say, yeah, dude, uh, if I was there, it would have been this way. Or if this would have happened, it would have been this way. And Mikey wouldn't have died. Or if this would have happened or that would have happened. And you could dwell your whole fucking life on that. 100%. But the reality of the situation is, is he did that for a fucking reason. And he did that so that guys like you and the other guys that were there can go out and make a fucking impact, exactly. which is what you're doing, which is awesome. Well, I appreciate that. And, yeah. you know, and that's when I, I talk to people. And that's, that's is my reminder. You know, like yeah. I have alarms set on my phone. That says live to honor them. Yeah. Right? And that's the hashtag I use as well on social media, you know, mission first mindset to remind myself. Right. What's the mission, right? What what is my new mission? My mission, obviously, I'm not on the SEAL teams. And I wish I was. I miss it every single day. It's the absolute best job in the world. However, being in the SEAL teams was a chapter in my life. And when I talk to vets and they're like, How did you transition? Was it easy? I'm like, no. It was horrible. <laughs> it was a horrible transition because I didn't realize that being in the SEAL teams was a chapter of my book. Right. My because up until book. up until that point, it that had, had been, been the purpose. Right. Exactly. And but see what I think what you're realizing now and uh, and I just gather this from our, you know, you and I knowing each other a little bit and getting to know each other more and our conversations I think what you're realizing now is that you do have a much higher purpose and that all that was was fertilizer for what's coming next. You know what I mean? Yeah. And people don't realize that. Like they think, you know, they have these visions in their head about what they should be or could be or, or should have been or could have been or what they were. And they hang on to that. It'd be real easy also for a guy like you to be like, dude, I was this. I did this. I did that. And to really not do much. You know yeah. what I mean? But, dude, you're taking all your lessons and you're pouring them into something new that is going to impact Literally millions of people between you and Jocko and life and the other guys, you know, you guys are impacting people in a way that is improving their total existence in 360 degrees. And dude, that to me, it, there's nothing higher uh, on the honor scale than that because you're not doing it. I'm sure you guys are doing well financially and all this shit. And that all comes with impact. We talk about that a lot here, yeah. but and I, I could speak from experience on this because I know this, like seeing people go out and change themselves. You know, we talked about my friend here who lost 50 pounds in the last yeah. in the last 30 days. Dude, that guy is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's almost 400 pounds. He lost 50 pounds in 30 days. He said, dude, I'm fucking tired of being fat. And he went out and took action and seeing people seeing people impact and change. And, and then the impact that the, the ripple effect that that creates in their world. Yeah, that's. That's what this is about. And like, dude, I just think it's fucking awesome what you guys are doing with the muster, what you're doing with your consulting, Never Settle Consulting, which ironically we I, talked about has been a slogan of ours for a long time, Yeah. Uh, which I actually, it's really weird how that worked out because we didn't even really know each other. No, it was just something we all. both came up with. Yeah. And you know how it came up with. JP hits me in a text uh, like a month ago and he's like, bro, this has been weighing on me like. My company's called Never Settle, and I know that's one of your trademark slogans. Like, is that going to create an issue? And I'm like, fuck no, I think it's awesome. <laughs> but, like, it's 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 weird how things work out. No, I think it's awesome. Yeah. You know? And 
and so how how never settle came about was you know i was you know doing sales at a financial company and i was miserable yeah and i did i was making more money than i ever thought i would be able to because i had that you know that constraint on myself of my family you know only made a certain amount even though my parents my parents work harder than anybody else i know right right and then I was in the military. So yeah, you make what you make in the military. And I didn't realize, wow, you can make good money, you know? And yeah. so, but I was miserable. I hated it. And yeah. So it didn't matter, you know? And I'm, I'm sitting there at church trying to figure out what I want to do. And I remember I was just thinking about the teams because I, I literally think about the teams every day and I miss my guys every day and I miss that brotherhood and I'm sitting there. The culture. The culture yeah. and just that mindset. And the biggest thing that I missed about the, you know, other than the brotherhood is the mindset of guys constantly pushing each other not to be average, not to settle. Like in everything that we did, it was always a constant push of just your training, just everything, right? Right. We, we don't allow each other to settle, right? right? And you don't allow yourself to settle because if you allow yourself to settle for average and just be just blah, right? That could get somebody killed. That's a, that is not even an option, right, right? right? And so that's why I was like, huh, never settle, never settle, never settle consulting. Oh, oh cool. I'll start a company called Never Settle Consulting. Yeah. And there wasn't a company called out there doing that. And no. I'm like, cool, this is awesome. Yeah. Right? But so it's fucking cool. It. Like, it's so ironic, like, because we vibe on so many levels of yeah. how we think that we both use that fucking phrase. Dude, like, like, because I know you didn't, like, look at it and say, oh, I'm going to use that. Like, it was something you came up with genuinely. And I came up with genuinely and we, it's and it just cool. It was, you know, one like, of my, I think it's fucking cool. Yeah. No, one of my really good buddies, one of my close friends, my best friends in Texas, uh, Steven and, and Dane, like well, I started the company, never settle. I told them I did my, my logo and everything. And they're like, that's awesome. They sent me a picture cause they, they use your supplements. Yeah. They love them. They sent me a picture of one of the protein bottles <laughs> that said never settle. And I was like, oh shit. <laughs> Dude. And I was just like, you know, cause that, no, that man. was a while ago. And I, I was love like, it. well, I was like, well, he doesn't have never settle consulting brand. Yeah, so no, 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 that's not an issue. No, I think it's <laughs> awesome. Because I was like, man, because I knew I've known about your company yeah. for years. I'm like, man, those are some big boys. I'm just gonna, oh, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna start something else. No way, <laughs> you know. But yeah, and then you know, Jocko you know, and with Echelon Front, and you know, yes, I I'm gonna continue with my company Never Settle for sure because it's making it, dude. I have people that have my logo tattooed on them. Well, that's. So do I. And that's a good fucking sign. Dude, I love that. Means that means you're making an impact. Which I thought was cool. But, yeah. you know, the other thing is the impact that I'm able to make with Echelon Front is a thousand times larger than I can with Never Settle. So right. people are always like, why aren't, are you just putting your company on the back burner? I'm like, no, it's still there. No, I'm However, putting myself in a position to make a bigger impact. Exactly. I don't care. Like, who cares about who gets the recognition, right? Absolutely. As long as you win. And if I'm winning with Echelon Front, then that's where I need to be. If I can make a greater impact over people's lives with Echelon Front, which I'm doing, that's where my focus is going to be. They take care of me. They take care of my family. I'm able to provide for my family. And I've legitimately had people reach out and say, what you guys are doing and what you've done with my company has changed our lives. That's, you know what I mean? And yeah. I was uncomfortable at first telling my story and being on a podcast, you know, I was on Jocko's podcast and I was uncomfortable about that. And Jocko was like, Hey, somebody needs to hear your oh, story. No question. You know, you don't yeah. know what, and I'm like, <clears throat> okay. And I did the podcast and you know, uh, I mean, as it is, I don't have like a big social media following as it is right now. Cause I've been speaking kind of, of which, yeah, all of you guys should be following JP. <laughs> Tell people where they can follow you on Instagram and anywhere else that's important. Um, well, it's pretty simple on Facebook and Instagram. It's JP Donnell. So J P D I 
N N E L L, right? So that's linked from Instagram to Facebook, and then Never Settle Consulting as yeah. well, right? So and do so, the, do the man a solid, guys. He's putting out awesome info here. Make right. sure you're following him. I appreciate it, but so I had so, I had a, I had a vet reach out to me, and I, I get this message right, and he said, "Hey, man." I just want to let you know that I was, I was going to kill myself this week and I heard your message on Jocko's podcast. I was just wondering if I could reach out to you once in a while. I'm like, bro, here's my cell phone. Yeah. <laughs> like I just remember seeing that and I was like, okay, it was worth it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. hey, mm. my stupid insecurities about my name being out there and right. all this other bullshit. Right. Yeah, dude, I had a bounty on my head. Right overseas yeah cool that meant i did a really good job yeah you know what i mean and right <laughs> i was just like so worried about all this stuff and insecure and you know i was like you know what if other team guys are gonna have an issue with me telling my story so be it right and the team guys that matter the team guys that i look up to have been like hey man they what love you guys, it what you guys are doing is awesome right and that's what matters right but the fact that this guy reached out and said hey man i was going through some really dark times like you did can I just reach out? Can I talk to you? Like I, I, I wanted to kill myself, but I'm not going to because of what you said. Can I, and I'm like, dude, call me. Here is my cell phone. If you ever need to talk, I'm here. Right. Yeah. And I've had probably about six or seven vets do that. Yeah. You know, and I, my phone's on 24 seven. Right. And I, I, you know, I've had a couple of them call and I'm like, Hey man, what's up? You doing good? You know, we'll talk through stuff. Yeah. hundred percent worth it. Right. right. You know, being able to do that, it's, because of what Jocko and Leif have done with Echelon Front, it's a, it's amazing. And I'm just, I'm humbled to be a part of it, you know. And it's just weird how things come to, coming together, you know, because I was always reaching out to Jocko. Hey, if you ever need help, let me know. What can I do to learn? I'm listening to your podcast. I've read your book. You know. What can I, I do to learn? What can I do to help? Yes. You know, I, I and, now, like, and now you're a main fucking guy in it. Well, it's crazy because I was always like, how can I help? How can I help? You know, hey, the mentor doesn't seek out the mentee. That's right. The mentee seeks out the mentor. And I'd constantly text Jocko that. And then that came together, right? And then I'm listening to your podcast. My buddy recommends it to me. And, um, you know. Uh, I don't even remember how we hooked up. How do we initially hook up? I think you I think you commented on my thing. Yeah. So I was listening to your podcast. Because we've been communicating for a while now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it was after the muster where I met Chris and the, the, the guys from Nutrition Solutions. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so they're. They mentioned, I, I mentioned, I'm like, yeah, you know, Chris Cavallini. Awesome dude, by the way, Chris Cavallini yeah. with nutrition solutions. Yeah. Uh, I love those guys. Major, major plug. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome so, company too. Oh, I, I remember these posts now where you went to go speak for them. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, totally yeah. remember this now. That's crazy. Yeah. So they come to the muster. I meet them. We're talking, you know, it's kind of hard not to be drawn to that group of guys, yeah. right? They're just, they have that energy. Yeah. Right yeah. Now. And so we're talking with them and I mentioned your podcast, right? I'm like, yeah, you know, MFC. And they're like, we know him well. And I'm like, yeah, okay. Kind of like, yeah, everyone's yeah. always like, hey, I know Jocko. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> because if you listen to him doesn't mean you know him, right? right. And they're like, no, we like, you know, we came up there and yeah. he, he put us up, took care of us. I'm like, are you kidding? I'm like, dude. I was like, <laughs> I was like, you guys might think I'm kind of crazy, but I was actually for a while, Andy, I listen to podcasts. I'm like, I've got to connect with this guy. If I want to take what I'm doing to the next level, I've got to connect with Andy somehow. So for a while, and Amanda was full on board with this, I was going to drive up here and just come knock on the door and say, Hey, here's my background. I would love to take you out to lunch and dinner. Yeah. I'm hey, oh, cool. Andy's not here. Can you let him know? This is who I am. I'll be in town for 24 hours. And I was just going to like go That's chill at a hotel 
and just that's like, how you hey, make shit happen. That's what I had planned on yeah. doing, right? And I was like, I think Andy, from what I've heard from the podcast, will will dig that, or he'll tell me to fuck off, and okay, um, then I'll drive back to South Haven, right? <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Hey, you know, yeah. whatever. And uh, I'll get, you know, I'll get my kids a souvenir from St. Louis and go back home. <laughs> you know, what do I have to lose? Nothing. Yeah. Right? It's a no, no matter what, unless I ask. So, That's right. And so I tell them that and they're like, uh, we can do one better. Why don't we reach out? And I'm like, hmm, okay. Yeah. So at the muster, I signed, I got a, a signed copy of Extreme Ownership from Jocko and Leif. And then I signed a letter yeah. into it, gave it to one of the employees That's that right. was there. They said, yes. they're going to send it up to you guys. Yes. And I think... From after that, you know, I commented on a couple things on yeah. Instagram and you replied back and we we're going back and forth. Like you started liking some of my stuff, which yeah. I thought was cool. Yeah. You know, you, you practice what you preach right, yeah. on social media. Yeah. Dude, when you started like liking some of my stuff, I have buddies that would, they would see Andy for, well, first of all, <laughs> when you started following my JP Denell page, yeah. I was like, this is a fake account. There's no way Andy's following me, right? So I checked it. I'm like, oh, it's a verified account. Like this is legit. And I was like, oh, the videos are actually him. So it's kind of hard to fake. Okay, that's okay. It's him. That's awesome. Let, let's yeah. see how this worked out, Lord. Well, dude. And then when you would like some of my stuff, I have buddies that took screenshots of it. That's hilarious. Circled your name and texted it to me. I'm like, yeah, it's cool. <laughs> and um, and then I- We go way back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, you know, we've, we, yeah. <laughs> we, you know we're, we're off and on. Well, bro, you guys have on. an awesome <laughs> message, man. Like, you know, I- uh, I haven't met Jocko in person. I know we'll meet soon, I'm sure, because mm-hmm. we're crossing paths everywhere. But yeah. uh, what you guys are doing as a whole is extremely admirable, and I'm all about supporting that kind of stuff. And and so, dude, I'm super honored to have you and, and have you up here. Um, I'm excited to go to dinner and hang out, yeah, too. Sure. Uh, but, you know, I, I just, you know, want to say thank you for, for not only, like, what you did for, for our country, you know, like you said earlier when the other kid said it, you know, I loved it. I feel guilty when people say that. Yeah, I, I do. But it was the best time of my life. <laughs> I, I'm someone who, who, who thinks on a big picture and understands for a big picture to happen it takes a lot of little actions. And so, dude, like, not only thank you for that, but thank you for, uh, you know, taking the path that you have and, uh, and, and working to inspire and help coach and help bring leadership to um, – the forefront of people's focus, because I do agree with you guys that that's what people are lacking when it comes to their ability to not, not just succeed financially, but feel confident and feel in control and feel like they know what they're doing with their life. And, uh, dude, I, what you guys are doing is admirable, man. I respect it a lot. So I thank you. It. Yeah. Thank you. And, and, um, you know, I know we talked about the muster a lot and I'd be doing us a disservice if I didn't mention this. No, you know, we have another event that we're rolling out called a roll call. Yeah. And it's like the muster, but only, and I'm fired up about this. It's only for law enforcement, firefighters, and military. Yeah. And it's just, it's our way to be able to give back to them. It's going to be at a lower price point. That's awesome. Um, and the material is going to be geared towards what they have to go through every single day and how we can help them become better leaders. And here's the thing. Hey, are there good cops and bad cops? Yes. There's good and bad in Everywhere. every organization. Exactly. We have dirt bags in the SEAL teams, right? Yeah. But here's the deal. Quit complaining about what the cops are doing wrong unless you're making an effort to help them. <laughs> they don't have the proper training, proper funding half the time. Right. So how can you expect them to perform at this high level 
when they're given the very bare minimums. No, dude. And they do a phenomenal job Look, with man. what they have resources to. And yeah. that's a whole other day of talking. No, to trust me. Like, we're on the, the same page, yeah, bro. Yeah, roll call. Yeah. It's, it's, I am, you talk about just giving back, us being able to work with them. It's going to be phenomenal. Um, it just, you know, it's just a lot of weird things have been starting to come together, you know? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. And I know. Well, I know dude, you know why it's time, coming together, bro? <laughs> it's coming together because just like you were visualizing being a seal and coming up to be a seal and, and, and things happen, things don't just come together. What comes together is what you focus on and, and what you take action towards. And dude, you're what, there is no magic to this whole idea of success. It just, there isn't, it's, it's doing shit. And people hear that and they think like, Oh yeah, it's easy for you to say, motherfucker. I've lived it. You've lived it. Anybody who's done anything has lived it. They, if you take one step and you take another step and then you take a third step, eventually you're going to get to get to fucking a mile and eventually you're going to get 10 miles. Eventually you're going to get 30 fucking miles. And it's one foot in front of the other, man. It's no magic. And, and don't fucking lie to yourself and tell yourself, oh, this guy's this because of this. And this guy's that because of this thing that I don't have. Bullshit. Those people are there because you fucking aren't doing it. And they are. And that's that. And so what we're trying to, what both of us and, and, and Jocko too and the Echelon Front and the MSCEO Project Movement and all the things, we're trying to show people that they are in control. And you have to take control. Nobody's going to give you control. Nobody's going to give you permission. Nobody's going to tell you it's okay. You have to tell yourself it's okay. And that's what we're trying to do here. So in, in, in that task unit, when Jocko is in charge, I was the youngest and most junior ranking individual in the task unit, right? And, he, and you know, I was always like, cool, that's awesome. No responsibility, right? Just give me a gun, put me in the stack. You know, I, I don't have to think about anything, right? That's the absolute worst mindset that you can have right just trying to float along be the great man right? right but i was doing it because i was like hey i'm junior guy i'm really young I, I don't you know that's just what it is yeah and jocko was like hey jp you're i don't care that you're the youngest guy i don't care that you're the junior most ranking guy take ownership of what you have to do take ownership of what affects you and your team and what affects the mission right and when you take ownership of that that's going to help make things happen you want to grow amongst the ranks of your company, take ownership of your everyday activities. Hey, your boss isn't doing their job. Good. Take ownership of that and do it for them. Yeah. Right? And guess what? Your co Guess what that equates to? Yeah. Paycheck. You know what? I, <laughs> one of the memes that I can't stand that's on Facebook right now, it shows this guy like act like he's whining or crying. And it says my, my work has this really cool thing to where if you do a good job, you get to do other people's jobs. Oh yeah. And that, that's, that's the opportunity motherfuckers. Well, that's what's wrong with society is that's the mindset right, of right. like, Oh, I'm going to have to do extra no, work. You know what's funny? Well, that's if why you're you going to always know, be you, making minimum wage. Yeah. You want to know how you can fucking uh, tell who's a piece of shit in your company and who's not as the motherfuckers that post that meme or like it. Because I get it too, dude. I know exactly the meme you're talking about. And dude, other people not doing their shit is a great opportunity for you to shine and show your fucking value. And grow. Yes. And it's like, you know, I get... But, but those same people will complain, JP. They will complain about how there's no fucking opportunity. <laughs> it's like, dude, what the fuck, man? Nobody comes along... Dude, I always say this thing. Like... Yes, sometimes you will have the op the door of opportunity open for you, but guess what? Nobody's going to drag you through it. Nope. You know, and that's what we're lacking. We're because the generation that you talk to and that I talk to, the under thirty generation right now, they've been taught bullshit. They've been taught a fucking different set of rules that applies to the ideal world versus 
the rules that apply to the real world. Yeah. And in the real world, nobody's going to come along and, and give you a job or give you like, this is dude. I see people post this. Anybody got a fucking job? You know, does anybody know anybody has a job? Motherfucker, why don't you go out and fucking make a job for yourself or take a job yourself? Like, hey, FYI, this is what I'm capable of doing. Exactly. You know, it's like what I try to do with my with Never Settle with the the shirts and hats that I have is I try to sponsor MMA fighters to help them out. Right. But here's the thing. I don't give them money. Yeah. Because guess what that does? Absolutely nothing. Right. I make them work for it. I'm helping them learn and grow and everything. And I tell these guys all the time. It's like these fighters like, hey, got a fight coming up. Let me know if you want to uh, sponsor me. Hit me up. Yeah, okay, cool, because your last post was talking about you smoking weed and all this other stupid stuff. A, your representation of my company, nope, not going to happen. B, if you're saying hit me up, it's not going to happen. They're not even saying hit me up. They're saying HMU because they're that fucking lazy. (laughs) Yeah. Like motherfuckers that type their whole posts and fucking text talk. Dude, I don't even like when people text me in text talk. Like K or HMU or whatever the fuck you fuckers say. Dude. I don't even know what the fuck. I had asked you something the other day. <laughs> I didn't know what it meant either. Like, dude, I said somebody text something and I had to text Tyler a screenshot and say, what does this fucking mean? Like, and then he had to look it up. Like, I I don't even understand what the fuck you guys are saying. Like, like when, when you English. asked that question, did Tyler respond IDK? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> did you? No. No, I think I did actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's like I, I got... Uh, I'm I'm protected from my brother and sister. They're very close with me. And I remember on my sister's birthday, like all the people were like commenting on her Facebook page, like what what is it HBD? Like HBD, right? Yeah. Happy birthday. Yeah. And I rep- I responded underneath them. I'm like, if you're so lazy that you can't type out happy birthday, don't wish my sister a happy birthday. Fuck yeah. And she's like, JP, calm down, dude. Like, no, dude. Like, true. That's a pet peeve of mine. Like. When people, this is, this is going off on something, but like, this is fucking annoys me so bad about fucking the internet right now. When it's your birthday and some, like I keep my birthday private. Cause I don't want all these motherfuckers that don't know it's my birthday. Like happy birthdaying me this fake shit. I like shit. I could only imagine the amount of messages. It's, you but it's, get, it's fake though. It's fake. They don't really fucking care. They and they don't even right. know until they get that fucking notification exactly. on there. They see, Facebook says, Oh, it's Andy's birthday. And then I get all the. People I don't even fucking know saying happy birthday. You didn't know it was my birthday until Facebook told you, motherfucker. And then you're going to type HBD. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, if it's my fucking birthday, you could call me. You, I'll accept the text, too. Other than that, fuck off. That's it. Like, I don't, I don't want, I don't like fake conversation. Like, if you're my friend and we haven't talked in a while, give me a phone call on my birthday. Say, hey, Andy, what's up? I probably won't answer. I'll probably text you back. Say, hey, bro, I don't answer my fucking phone. But the reality is the thought that counted. You know what I'm saying? Like, dude, I, I'm, I just, I, the, the, the amount of laziness that is just out. Like, if you can't even type happy fucking birthday, like, bro, it's funny you say that because that's like a huge They're the pet same peeve people that will ask you a question when it could easily be solved by no, two seconds no, on Google. You post, not only like that, you post a post. You say, hey, uh, selling my car, $9,000. And then in the, in the fucking comment, how much is the price? Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, motherfucker. Oh, dude. I, I, that drives me crazy. Dude. When, when someone makes a post on, like when someone makes dude, a this comment on the post to, asking about what's You just posted. The, like, I, I told you exactly what. That happens to me all, every time I post a motherfucking video on Instagram. <laughs> I'll say in the fucking caption, video from this episode, number 199, and give the title. Go see it at the link in the bio. 
Hey, what episode is that clip from? <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker, if I could cut you, I would. <laughs> like, dude. You should see... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, as he, I'm sure you can assume that Jocko's not a big fan of that either. Oh, yeah. And just seeing him, like, just some of the messages that he gets. And I'm oh, like, my God. Yeah. Uh, uh, what? Dude, trust me. Right. And it's got to be hard for him because I can already, like, imagine his personality. And it's got to be hard for him dealing with the, the, the fame that he's gotten now. Yeah. With Because you get so much weird it's shit. It's been really funny to yeah. watch it progress because I've known him since he was in the, you know, since yeah. 2004, right? Yeah. When he was like, what is social media? And I, I mean, he knew what it was. He's not yeah, yeah, idiot, I get he's it. Like, yeah, I don't. Why would I do this? Right. Yeah. But here's a cool thing about Jocko is when he was getting like the fame and they're building stuff up. Right. Um, someone's like, yeah, you should have a Twitter account. He's like, no, it's stupid. And, and then he kind of did some research. He's like, okay, I'll get a Twitter account. Right. And then within less than 12 hours, he knew all the ins and outs of Twitters and hashtags and how to work everything. And he was just like, like a machine. Now he's the Twitter master. <laughs> dude, it's yeah. I'm like, how do you respond to everybody? Yeah. Dude, uh, the one thing I like about Jocko, it, I like a lot of things about Jocko, but the one thing I really like is like, and this this is, not everybody will get this, but some people will. Um, you know, speaking effectively is an art form, okay? And not everybody can do it. Not everybody has the tonality. Not everybody has the delivery not everybody can speak in a way that that sucks people in where they pay attention. And I'm talking about the actual act of speaking. You know, a lot of people listen to the podcast because they're like, dude, I love how you talk and I love the sound of your voice and this and that. And, you know, that's a skill that you perfect. And I love his delivery. Like, I love the way he fucking speaks. Like, it's just so badass. What's awesome about that is he recognized that. Yeah. So when he was going from enlisted to officer, he had to go through school and college. Yeah. Well, he went to school and he got his degree in, in English and communication. Yeah. Right. Because that's what he knew was important. And to be a good, effective leader, guess what you need to have the ability to do? Speak. Communicate. Yeah. But I mean, dude, it's just. You know, I don't say that about anybody because there's a lot of people out there with big followings that I just cannot like their sound of their voice and their delivery scratches my fucking brain. <laughs> I, listen, everybody knows that there's people out there like this, yeah. but he's one of those guys that when you listen, you're like, fuck, yeah, like I'm going to go fucking kill some motherfuckers. Yeah. You know and, what I mean? And that's, and that's a great thing is like he had that. He's just one of the guys I, I really enjoy. I genuinely enjoy hearing speak. Yeah. No, he's and I, could, I, I think I, I think he's probably the only guy I could say that about. Like, I don't really know any other guys that are delivering a verbal message on that level. Mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, and that's why, I mean, that's why he's having the success he's having. And Leif's the same way. You know, Leif yeah. just doesn't have a podcast, so he's not as, you know, in, in the Yeah, media. I haven't heard him. Uh, so he's, he's on a couple of Jocko's podcasts. I'll, I'll send those over. Okay. Uh, Leif's a phenomenal speaker, you know. And, dude, another one of the guys on our team, Dave Burke. 23 years in the Marine Corps as an officer, right? Top gun pilot, top gun instructor. Holy shit. He's the That's only awesome. person in the world to have flown four different fighter planes operationally. So like in combat? In combat, yeah. yeah. So in squadron commanders of all these different commands, he was on the ground with us in Ramadi, right? Oh, yeah. You talk about being wait. out of your comfort zone. Wait, 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 wait. This t- Listen to Jocko Podcast 69 for all those listening right now if you want the full story. But, yeah, so he was a Top Gun pilot, Top Gun instructor, goes to a command where he ends up having to be a ground liaison with us. So he's on the ground with us in Ramadi so that he can communicate. With, with the other pilots. Yes. Yeah. 
That's, that's crazy. fucking crazy. Dude, he talks about it, He's like, dude, I, I don't even know the last time I put my camis on, right? <laughs> <laughs> suit, right? Like living the life. Like yeah. he was like, he was running Top Gun. Yeah. You talk about a brilliant individual. Yeah. Who, I mean, insane. Right? Yeah. yeah. And these are the guys that I get to hang out with and work with. Yeah, that's you know? fucking like, awesome, we dude. We brought on another team guy, Flynn yeah. Cochran, officer in the SEAL teams, Harvard business grad, was working with McKinsey Group. Now is working with us as our chief strategy officer. That's like, awesome. Dude, it's like... You guys are doing awesome work, man. Yeah. Like, it guys, is awesome. Those guys, their ability to communicate, I'm like, whenever I hang out, we're doing something together, I have my notebook, and I'm like, Okay, yeah, that down, <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that's cool. Hey, man, stealing it's that. all about it's all about who you surround yourself with. You surround yourself with losers, you're gonna be a fucking loser. Yeah, you know that's it. So I, I know it. you're gonna wrap it up, but I have to make that one quick announcement. Oh, okay, go ahead. So, guys, uh, many of you waited till the last minute to submit your testimonial, which is cool. Wait, that's not. Listen, we just talked for fucking five hours about ownership. Let's talk about fucking ownership. We fucked up because we forgot that we told people that they could submit till the 31st and we announced the winners on the 30th because it's our fault, motherfucker. It's not <laughs> theirs. Okay, I stand FYI. corrected. All right, good point. At any rate, our point being, we're going to announce one more winner within the next week or so. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, at least one, maybe two. Okay. So, sorry for fucking up. See, that's the part of taking accountability. Amen. You got to apologize, make it right, and well, move What's on. awesome is like you, I mean... Uh, and I know we're wrapping it up, so I don't want to go down yeah. the rabbit hole. Is ownership's not just saying, "Hey, we messed up, we messed it's up, fixing we messed it. up." It's the problems and the solutions. Yes, which you guys just did. No, I just did a whole fucking talk on this Sunday with all of our employees out here. So it's funny that we're talking about it right now because my I, bad. We talked about <laughs> my bad. Oh, oh, yeah, <laughs> dude. <laughs> so, so I made an example of one of our guys who likes to say when he does things wrong. Mike Taylor, by the way, because I know he fucking <laughs> listens. He says always like this. I'm like, hey, bro, blah, blah, blah. He'd be like, oh, bro. He's from California. Oh, bro. My bad. Like, <laughs> so I, 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 I fuck with him a little bit in front of him. He runs the company, so nice. uh, I had to bust his balls a little oh, yeah, bit. But, you know, uh, you know, taking accountability is recognizing you fucked up and fixing it. Yeah. It's not just saying you're sorry. So, mm-hmm. guys, we are sorry and we will fix it. All right, guys. My bad. JP, dude. Thank you, man. Absolutely. Guys, uh, you need to follow this guy. You need to follow uh, Jocko and listen to his podcast. That's a plug for him. Uh, and and uh, I've never met him, but, dude, I do enjoy his content. I think he's an awesome dude, and I love what you guys are doing. So, Does thank- Echelon Front have an Instagram? Yeah, Echelon Front and then um, Echelon Front Muster. So that is our Instagram. So we'll page. put all those links mm-hmm. to, to JP's personal and yeah. also uh, Jocko's personal and uh, – the, the companies that you guys are doing, uh, everything in the in the description for the podcast. Yeah. So, and, it, and if somebody decides they want to go to my website, neversettleconsulting.com, you know, um, I have some new shirts and hats and everything on yeah. up there. Um, Support these guys, guys. They're they're doing they're doing honorable stuff. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. But I'll have a discount code MFCEO. You'll get fifteen percent off your whole order. Cool. So all caps cool. MFCEO. Awesome. Um, so yeah. Very nice. Well, dude, thank you so much for making the trip, man. This has been fun. I've, yeah, I'm, this is this is right up my alley, dude. Because like you guys live, you guys live like the shit that I kind of wish I could have lived. So uh, I appreciate you guys a lot. Well, what's awesome is you're doing the stuff that 
we're working on doing now as well. You know well, I mean? like, yeah, it's but cool how it all just know, out. like, just know, like, and you share this with Jocko and, and other guys, like anything you guys need help with or support with, like, I'm more than happy to, to, to step in and help whatever sure. we can do. So yeah, we'll make it happen. For yeah. Sure. Cool. All right. Thanks guys. We'll be back on Thursday for some Thursday thunder. Talk to you later.